Top bloke, shit haircut. Packing bowls and freeing souls from America's heartland. You're listening to Bowl After Bowl with Lorian and Spencer. I want my weed. It's just me and my ganja. Do, 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 you smoke pot. <gasps> Getting high? Stay stoned. We're stoned. I feel stupid now. Um, it's the weed. Wow, I am really high. Yeah, he does seem a bit woozy, doesn't he? He does indeed seem a little bit woozy. I want to check on him. Welcome to a special edition, Bowl After Bowl. It is the post-no-agenda live experience. Up next live. And it is just after 420 here in FEMA Region 7. Heyo. I'm Sir Spencer of Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And joining us all the way from another two different hemispheres for a Bowls with Buds, it's our man Kyron Down. Yeah, can I change it to Kyron fist pumping down? I love the intro music. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Kyron fist pumping down. There you have it. High energy, Well, thanks man. for the um, intro. Yeah, yeah. Um, glad to be here. It's going to be really fun. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Yeah, I, we've been looking forward to this one. I wanted to give you some good bowling music. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, I, I think I boosted three episodes ago, something like that. It was <laughs> in my trance zone, just getting... Uh, just it's the perfect perfect way to start it off really <laughs> yeah that's right um i remember the boost you were talking about getting super hyped which is a great one uh speaking of boosting by the way we are a value enabled show live uh live tags are kicking this is a new live son of a bitch and uh we're running full with scissors full speed here so yes um, the bowl is lit that's right we got the lit live item tag so that is in play in Podverse and Curiocaster. In fact, if you're a Podverse user, you should have got a live notification that uh, we were on the air. So all of that is kind of fun. And then for the first time, I'm trying it. I don't know. I'm I'm guessing it's probably been done before, but uh, this is the first time I'm trying it and I've heard of it. We have Kyron set up on our value tag through his Podcaster wallet on Fountain. So he's getting a third of all the splits going through there. And uh, how's that working out? Are we are we coming through with that? Yeah, I'm gonna um, just check that right now because it's uh, it's it's coming through like in a different section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing them come through. So, Yay! Very, very cool. cool. Awesome, man. I'm pumped about that. Woo! So yeah, there's a little extra, uh, a few, a couple extra records, like a custom key and a custom value that we got to pass through the value split, and then. Um, yeah, it's the first time I've tried it, so I, I was trying to see what the other thing I put in there. I already forgot. It asks for something like a uh, type, I think, on the value split. And uh, let me see here. I'm pulling up my feed here. Uh, for yours, so there's a address, which, of course, is the uh, fountain's main node. But then a custom key, a custom value, that points it directly to you. And then type, I just put in fountain wallet. Hmm. The only type that I've ever seen declared is Node, 
Um, but this is a little more specific. So I put a uh, fountain wallet. I don't know. I don't know what the specs are. Could you have are. written anything in there and uh, <laughs> it still would have worked? <laughs> I, I'm betting I could have put nothing. I'm not sure. I tried to read the docs and uh, the only examples I could find, it said type node. It didn't really list out all of the possible types. So I don't know. Hopefully uh, it seems to be working. So, you know, we're out here running, for, <laughs> running with scissors. Yeah, well, that's super cool because, you know, most people are going to be like me who don't have a node set up or haven't been, you know, willing to, to go to that length. And so I've been using, uh, geez, I, I think I've used like four different types <laughs> of, uh, of addresses. So I think I used, um, I think you could get something directly with Ellen Pay. I tried that right at the start. Mm. Uh, I still I still use Satoshi's stream for the the main show me immortals and then yeah I've, I've set up a couple of um things on the the fountain wallet uh i'm pretty sure i tried somewhere else as well and uh maybe it was through um what brian in london was doing with three speak uh, uh so yeah <laughs> i've tried i've tried basically everything <laughs> so that i don't have to go to the full effort of <laughs> constructing a node and, and whatnot so it's really cool that you can have the um lazy slash uh not not um motivated enough people to to be able to receive stuff as well on splits without, um, uh, yeah, by using, you know, the, the sort of ready-made custom stuff. Totally. They call it the, uh, the Uncle Jim method <laughs> yes, where you're yes. using somebody else's <laughs> node. I think that's great, though, to use as many, um, you know, just use as many types of uh, on-ramps as you can find and uh, try them out, check them out. Um, I find this one interesting. We've done uh, solutions before with guests through Satoshi's stream and uh, Satoshi's.stream. You you do have to do that similar thing where you plug in a custom key and a custom value. There's a little bit of setup involved on the podcaster side where you have to spin up um, through their Telegram bot. I think they call it a uh, personal wallet. And there's ex- instructions for that on their GitHub and maybe somewhere else too, but... Um, we've had a couple of guests try that in the past and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. And I'm not really sure what or why, cause I'm not on the other end of that, but I've just had, I've heard secondhand inconsistent reports with that one. But so far we're one for one on the fountain side of things on, on the guest split. So, um, nice, nice. Yeah. Satoshi stream is, is, has been great. Like I've been using it since whenever I joined, like, uh, I think it was around episode four. 43-ish mm. of the podcast in 2.0. Uh, and yeah, like you mentioned, it's it's a bit of a setup to to do it for the first time. It takes, I don't know, half an hour, an hour, just trying to get your head around and using Telegram. I don't think I'd even used Telegram before. Uh, and it'll it'll do some like little funky things every now and then, but 99% of the time, it, you know, it, it works pretty decently. Yeah. Well... That was another thing I was going to ask you about is the uh, the method in which you found podcasting 2.0, kind of like the origin story of coming there. And, uh, you know, I guess we can back up a little bit because um, this is your first time in the bowl. And uh, yeah. all of all of our buds, we like to ask, you know. We like to get origin stories. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. And uh, Kyron, for those of you who don't know, he's from Australia. Uh, yep, uh, based Brisbane of, and Queensland in particular. There you go, and that's that's the, like northeast, right? Yep, yep, pretty much northeast Australia. And um, yeah, I guess you know a lot of our buds come from the No Agenda community directly. But I was co- kind of interesting if you 
seen no agenda or heard of no agenda first or podcasting 2.0 first or like which led to what uh and like how you came into this whole wacky group of people yeah for sure uh i neither was was is the answer i, ah. I came into adam curry first <laughs> so uh, I used to listen to Joe Rogan before he went to Spotify uh, and sort of when he went over, it was just, I don't know, I, I didn't enjoy using the Spotify app. So um, I sort of stopped listening, but thankfully uh, Adam was on, I think it was around March of 2020 because it was just before Corona really kicked off. Mm. Uh, he was on on um, Joe Rogan's show and I just thought he was the coolest motherfucker ever. <laughs> he was talking about how he was... Um, you know, self-rigging his own um, hearing aids and could like, uh, you know, change that depending on who was speaking, what environment he was in, uh, you know, the MTV days. Uh, I'd, I'd never heard of him before. I'm, I was born uh, 1992, so it was, you know, a little bit before me um, being able to see him on MTV and whatnot. So that was just my first introduction. I just went like, holy fuck, this is the coolest guy ever. I, I, loved, <laughs> I loved that episode. It was so good. Uh, and, uh, I, I, in, I would say it was, it would have been like 2021, like, uh, the start of 2021, I've been doing the, the mere mortals podcast for, I don't know, about a year and a bit. And I was feeling, I was reaching the, the limit of what I could do to, I don't know, make a good show in essence. It was, it was sort of, uh, you know, I'd started off with me and my, my co-host Juan and, uh, I was putting in tons of effort. I, I tried all sorts of different things. I tried m uh, making a ridiculous amount of content uh, across different podcasts. I tried, uh, you know, sort of like self-promoting in, um, I, I didn't, essentially I didn't really know what I wanted, but I, I knew what I didn't want. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to create a lifestyle where I would, have to um, sort of resort to advertising. I've always never really loved it. Uh, I couldn't think of anything worse than trying to look for sponsors or you know having meetings, not being able to say this or that. Um, uh, all all that sort of all that sort of jazz. Um, and so I was I was sort of desperate. And uh, when you get desperate, you you do desperate things. <laughs> so no I went on to uh, what I th thought would be like the most boringest thing ever, which was a online podca podcasting conference because this was still when lockdowns were happening and whatnot. Okay. And uh, I came across uh, and I went to this one in particular because uh, James Cridlin was presenting. And so I'd um, actually met him here in Brisbane. Uh, yeah, it would have been around that same time of, March, January, February, 2020, something like that um, in person. Uh, and I knew he was, you know, big into podcasting. He was sort of the analytics guy. He knew all, all the, all the stats and things like that. Uh, and so he was doing this presentation and sort of at the end he mentioned, Oh, and by the way, there's this kind of initiative called podcasting 2.0 uh, Adam Curry's kind of spearheading it. And that kind of, you know, clicked in my head. It was like, Oh, Adam Curry, that's, that's super cool. And then he said, uh, oh, yeah, and, and basically you can earn uh, Bitcoin whilst, uh, you know, doing, doing your podcast and things like that. And I just went, wait, so Adam Curry is going to send me Bitcoin for podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> I really had no idea. And I just, I, just, I just thought it was the biggest scam. I thought, what the hell is this stupid crap? Yeah, uh, I but, like money, though. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> so that that's sort of like, despite my initial, you know, pinging alert of, of scamminess, I, I decided to check it out. And then, yeah, once I found Podcasting 2.0 and, and listened to, I don't know, the first two or three episodes, uh, I had to binge and I had, yeah, like 40 episodes to catch up on. So there was probably a, a two or three week period where I was listening to two hours of podcasting 2.0 a day, just trying to madly catch up. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's, and from then on, it's kind of history. Eh? It's just, just like, holy fuck, this is the coolest shit out. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, that's crazy. That's interesting that uh, it was Cridlin that brought you into the, the whole podcasting 2.0. Oh, so thing. obscure. Like, there's no, that's, it's, you know, one in a million sort of chance. Eh? Cause, you know, I, I needed to know Cridland personally to have the you know the desire to go on to an online conference like it was so boring everything else <laughs> everything else they were presenting it was just like oh god uh, you know uh tw- you know 12 tips to grow your podcast through uh viral twitter things it's just like oh god this is this is awful i don't i don't want to know about this like if this is what it takes to to grow your podcast i'd, I'd maybe just not rather grow my podcast right <laughs> So what I guess what's your uh, I don't know your your opinion on that being the main factor the main drive like growing your podcast um, yeah well it's it's um, this is something I always bring up with um, with Juan which is uh, you know growth for growth sake I hear this a lot or content for content sake just just you know pump it out doesn't doesn't matter uh, you know try try and get your numbers up things like that uh, and I've I've always had problems with that. Um, you you might notice, but I I wrote I I don't have kind of personal accounts. Everything I use um, for social media is is for the the podcast. And if I didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't have any. And I and I didn't have any. I think, I think yeah, it was from like 2013 to 2019. I didn't have a single social media account other than maybe WhatsApp, if you consider that. But I'd only use it to to message um friends whilst I was traveling overseas, friends and family. So yeah, the like numbers, numbers go up in terms of, um, well, numbers go up for anything. It's kind of boring. It's, I I prefer the things underneath it. So, you know, if you're talking about Bitcoin, it's like, I don't really care about Bitcoin price going up. It's, can I use it in a cool way? Can I use it for, um, uh, I've, a sort of long story related to when I was in Argentina um, with my girlfriend at the time and every paycheck she would get in Argentinian pesos would need to immediately either spend it or convert it to USD because in a month's time it would have lost, I don't know, 25% of its value or, you know, 10%, a, a significant amount of its value. Um, and that was one of the the things where I was like, oh, you know, Bitcoin can fix this. It can it can save us having to travel to the city center once every week or two weeks sure. to go to some shady exchange where you know we go up into this um, random nondescript building. She has to enter this room alone where it's a small little coffin type thing, and there's a person with a uh, you know on the other side of a screen. I assume armed um, so that she can exchange what I don't know how much it would have been like. $120 USD <laughs> and we would have to do this every two weeks. It was ridiculous. Jeez. And, and so, yeah, my, my thoughts on, um, you know, 
it, uh, you know, it's it's great. I guess gratifying if you if you have you know a hundred thousand downloads of a of a podcast, you know that that's fantastic. But um, what what does it mean if it's not related to anything in particular? And that's why getting a booster gram for the you know the first time or the tenth time or the hundred hundredth time is is just as exciting and way more better than a whatever it is you know accolade for having a, a growth podcast or, you know, highest growing podcast or something like that. Definitely. Yeah. I like to think of like growth for the sake of growth and nothing else. Yeah. It's kind of like, like cancer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Took the words right out of my mouth. Well, uh, certainly have been uh, getting some serious boostograms in, um, including uh, from Mary Kate Ultra, 20,000 sats. Uh, who says boosting is fun? Sweet show, y'all. Thanks, and Mary Kay uh, Ultra. And then we had some tests. I was testing out your live tag, and at first it wasn't working. And then Stephen B he went around and uh, crossed some wires and jiggled some handles as he usually does. And then he got it going through. So uh, thirty six ninety six to kick things off was actually from you, Kyron. Yeah, yeah, I was testing that out. Uh, you, uh, I think last night. <laughs> you primed it. You primed it. So it's uh is ready to go. Uh, I got thirty three thirty three here from Cotton Gin out of CurioCaster, who's asking, "Anyone seen any boomers?" <laughs> Looking around to the left, to the right. Cotton Gin in the chat room's going, uh, oh, "A bunch of boomers in here." <laughs> looks like uh, looks like we're clear right now. I can't tell. Can't tell. Can you tell just by looking? Is there like a cell phone clip to the belt or some kind of a tell? I'm not sure. Don't know. Uh, eleven one eleven. That's five ones. Whoa! From Harv Hat out of Curio, uh, Curio Caster. Thanks, Harv Hat. He's always our intro boost. Uh, thirty three thirty three. Chad Farrow getting it going in Fountain. Ooh, thanks, Chad. Um, by the way, so Fountain, I guess if you're, if you're boosting from Fountain, you don't have access to the live. So the live tag will be boosting Kyron, uh, in the post show when we get the recording posted. But for right now, Fountain's still not on that live game yet. Um, maybe we'll have to uh, poke Oscar again. Just a little, little poke. Yeah. Because I know they're working yeah, well, on I, it. I'm they've... planning on chatting with him soon, so uh, or, or like this kind of informal chat. So Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll make sure to bring it up. Well, we can tell him that uh, this live split uh, was in excellent working order, I suppose. It was pretty yeah, painless for, sure. for my end. Just, uh, just paste it in. Now, of course... I have to make the caveat that I am coding. Uh, I basically just hand hack the poor feed that Podbean gives me, and I just put in extra tags. Uh, it's not what I want it to be, and I'm going to have a, a different version, a better, cleaner version. Like right now, Podbean, when you post the episode, there's like a kind of a blog page that you know I just put all of our show notes in, and then it takes that content and it puts it in three different tags. <laughs> And uh, it just looks terrible if you're going through it. So, like, the description tag, the content encoded tag, and the iTunes summary tag all get jammed full of this C data of the blog post. And uh, if you're looking at the feed itself, which I suppose not many people are doing, so that's a relief, but it's just uh, too many lines, too many lines for a feed. So, gotta get that figured out, but... uh, yeah, as far as pasting it into my hand-hacked feed, it was painless. 
pretty Sweet. nice. Well, pretty, at pretty least easy. you can see it. One thing I actually don't dislike about Buzzsprout is they make their feeds look nice. So if I go onto my Buzzsprout feed for, for the yeah. new models, it actually puts it in a format where it's it's not in you know just pure text. It, it's kind of formatted as if it's an actual podcast episode. And yeah. I was like, oh man, I actually kind of want to see what it what it says. You know, those pod. Uh, I'm sorry, I was about to say the wrong thing. Um, because I was going to say Podbean again, but uh, Buzzsprout. Those Buzzsprout um, feeds are really cool because they come with a, I guess it's like an XML style sheet or something, but just styles everything up. So you have like this nice little interface, whereas if you just go to most feeds, it'll just say, there's no style sheet associated with this content, and then it'll just blah, spit out uh, the XML blobs. Yeah, I kind of actually want to see the the blob though. That's that's the I th- <laughs> the annoying part. <laughs> I think you might be able to right click and just go view source. Like, oh really? Uh, okay. Uh, view page yeah, source if you're in the if you're in a Chromium browser, which most of them are. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, let me see here. Ten thousand. Oh no, I need to rolled past. Uh, thirty-three, thirty-three. That's four threes. There we go. From Servo. Woo! Out of Boost CLI. Thanks, Servo. And uh, I think they were testing the uh, Boost CLI split. I see some discussion in the chat that uh, Boost CLI isn't uh, liking that split. So I love it because, you know, you test these things out and then it just causes a ripple wave effect of other handles being jiggled and people uh, looking around and uh, testing and troubleshooting. So that's, that's, uh, we're keeping the waters choppy around here. Uh, 10,000 sats coming in from C Brooklyn 112. All right. Thanks, C Brooklyn. Who says Bowler Boost? Seeing 5K from Tom Starkweather out of CurioCaster. Thank you. 9999 from Boobery, the known boosting maniac who says Kyron Fist pumping down is a great radio DJ name. So you might want to. Yeah. Go. If, if I do another um, podcasting 2.0 DJ set, I'll, I'll make sure to. <laughs> that'll ah, be my, yeah, there my you handle. Go. <laughs> uh, 333 from Servo. He's sending some tests here. Um. Type equals node bro- broke boost CLI is what CW says in 420. Uh, Mike might break other sending apps if they have logic around it. I'm thinking it's type equals fountain wallet that broke it. Because type equals node is in literally every other split I've ever had. It's always node. And so this time I didn't have node. I had uh, fountain wallet. And it seems to be working, I guess, in fountain and, uh, and in CurioCast. Well, in CurioCaster is the only app that can access that live item tag right now so we technically have not tried that in fountain uh 6969 from boobery there's a 69 he says it's going to get real lit in the green room this coming monday now you sick freaks can boost a goat for 6666 boost a gimp for 9999 or boost a bump for 35k look at that dang yeah, I'm. I'm keen to. Uh, I need. I need to find the time uh, to, because uh, it's a. I think it's like a Tuesday midday for me where they go live. So it's doable for me to um, actually join that one. So yeah, I, I definitely want to go in and, and uh, test out. Nice. <laughs> Having yeah, control uh, of their show. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, yeah, they're they're doing them custom sounds. So that's got me licking my chops. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I've, yeah, like I got so many. Oh, I want to do the custom sounds a lot for sure. Uh, 2222 sats from Cotton Gin who asks, this is a scam? <laughs> None of this is good. Yeah. Red flags. 
8888 from Abel Kirby. That's his calling card. He's coming in out of CurioCaster live tag. He says, meetings suck. Good to hear Kyron in the bowl. Been looking forward to this interview since it was announced. Ha <laughs> oh, so ha. Too pro- kind. The promo was wall to wall on this one. We want to make sure that uh, everybody knew you were coming to the bowl. Um, oh, and then he had a boost attempt number two. It came through. We got them both. 8888 from Abel Kirby again. Uh, he says, uh, been looking forward to this episode, boost attempt number two. So, appreciate it. Uh, I think that uh, the thing about CurioCaster is there are some features that fire off asynchronously. And so you may get a success or a non-success depending while the payment is still, you know, working its way out. And then it might not be 100% obvious that the payment is either all the way through or it's still trying. Things like that. Um, Servo points out in the chat, helipad sound change should take you about five minutes. (laughs) Emphasis on the word should. Oh, brother. Should. Should take you. Uh, 33.33 again from Chad Farrow. Woo! Out of Fountain, who says, I still remember sending Kyron his first boostagram. Oh, Yeah, that's true. That's true. He, uh, he, he took, took it. He was very gentle with me. Took my boosting virginity. And oh. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, Oh, yeah. He's another one of those maniacs. Uh, 3333 coming from NBS. Thank, Thank you, NBS. You. And then a treat, turdy tree from Bully Steed, who says pleb boost. Bully Steed. Thank you. Not a baby, Bully Steed. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for all our boosting maniacs. And uh, we've really chummed the waters on this one. I appreciate it all. Um, I was really intrigued. So I was talking with Abel Kirby. On the last Abelcraft, we did another one on Friday, and um, we had mentioned, or you had mentioned in a boost, that uh, at one point you were doing eight episodes a week. Yeah. <laughs> you were just silly. cranking <laughs> stuff out. So uh, what? how many shows did you have uh, for eight episodes, and like, how, how did all that go down? Yeah, so um, it was like a, it was like a build-up, I think, in a way, because I was, um, like I mentioned, I... Um, I mean, to, to go back is essentially like, uh, I've, I've got a mining engineering degree and I did that for, uh, three years here, um, in, in Australia and look, I didn't hate it, but, um, I didn't love it either. And you know, you get one life, so fuck it. I'm going to try and make it a life. I really, uh, and would be glad that I at least attempted to, to have the best life I could. So, um, I quit that work. Uh, I went traveling for South America for uh, Latin America for about 14 months, I think was, was total. And when I got back, I just, I kind of had no, there was like no, there was like a big empty gap ahead of me. It's like, what, what am I going to do? So uh, when I started the podcast with Juan, we, we were just doing one episode a week, about 30, 40 minutes, something like that. Uh, and it was fun. Um, and then gradually it got more serious, you know, got a little studio together, um, you know, bought a ridiculously big table, moved it into the second floor of, of where I'm at now. And it's like, I never want to leave here because just getting this table out will be, <laughs> it weighs like, I don't know, 40, 30, 40 kilos or something like that. It's just, and, and so unwieldy. Um, uh, and, and in any case, that's, that's kind of like motivation for me to be like, ah. Oh, yeah, keep using that table. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I uh, we were doing that one, and then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try doing some book reviews or something like that. A, a little bit of a something different. 
Um, so I ended up doing some book reviews and, and they were, you know, I enjoyed doing them. I was reading a lot. And, uh, so I, I started, it got to the point where I was like, oh, I could probably do roughly about two book reviews a week. I'm reading about two books a week. So, um, I was doing those two, uh, one and I, for our show, we were doing, uh, like three separate episodes, um, the, like a themed one one we called musing and one we called meanderings. Uh, so that took it up to five. I wanted to practice my Spanish as well. So I was like, oh, look, I'm reading all of these books. I already have the book read. I can just do a, a translation of my notes of, of the review into Spanish. And then I can do like a Spanish podcast. So I called that um, Rosenias in Spanglish, which was sort of like me reading off uh, what I thought of an English book. So usually it would be something like... Um, Lost Horizon by James Hilton or something, uh, and then I would I would do that in in Spanish. So I have I still have it out there. It's just like a a random Spanish podcast. So that was another two, and then we were getting guests on uh, once a week for a while. So yeah, that that topped it up to eight. Wow! And God damn, was that unsustainable? <laughs> I can't even imagine. So you're doing eight podcasts a week, and some of them in different languages, like. Yeah, yeah, it was it was way too much, but it was it was good because it um it, it let me know one what I enjoyed and what what other people sort of enjoyed as well, and I, I kind of had some early success with some things. So uh, I for for those who don't know, there's a there's a way to actually get your your um, podcast promoted on the iTunes New and Noteworthy, and mm. basically all you have to do is go to a I think it's called Airtable or something like that. And basically you, uh, if you type in like Apple podcast promotion or something, there's a, there's a link you can click on and submit a form. Uh, and I did that for the, the Spanish one. Um, and it actually got, I think like promoted in Colombia or something like that. Um, I don't know. I just woke up one day and the, the numbers of, of downloads had skyrocketed for that. I was like, Oh, okay. So you can kind of game the system a little bit if you, if you want to, or like if you, if you think a, a bit more strategically in some ways you can do that um which is is useful it's it's sort of i, I go through phases of being like uh you know do things for the the pleasure of of stuff uh, purely for the pleasure and then also you know another phase where it'll be like okay now it's time to get a bit more strategic so with boosting for example most of the time i, I boost just for fun and then sometimes i'm like okay i'm gonna boost a bunch of different places to try and un, you know promote the podcast a little bit, i.e., uh, you know, comic strip blogger, uh, <laughs> blogger, what he does. So, yeah. you know, go through like phases and, and testing out things. So that was definitely a testing out phase. And uh, what I figured out from that was, you know, the the Spanish ones, whilst fun, um, I got my Spanish to a, a decent enough level where it was like, okay, the for me, it's uh, the, the practice part, portion of it isn't as important in it just doesn't as matter as much. So I sort of dialed them down, uh, the book reviews, I dialed that down to roughly once a week. Now, uh, you'd, you'd know this with guests, even though it seems like the episode length is the same, it, it requires three times as much effort to, you know, organize a guest, definitely uh, make yeah. sure things are, you know, doing prep work <laughs> that, that, that goes crazy. So for those, I was like, okay, I'm not going to, force it to be once a week it's just whenever i feel like it sort of thing now so Definitely. yeah it was it was it was, a, it was a fun phase to to go through but yeah 
never ever would I recommend that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been a lot of our uh, experience, especially when it comes to the guest stuff. These bowls with buds episodes. Um, there many times we have them every week, but uh, you know we can't set that as a promise or as like a bar or anything. Like we have to just be clear that, you know, these things happen when we can get them scheduled and it's not, you know, it's sporadic. It's irregularly scheduled because uh, it's not always the same time. It's not always the same day of the week even. Um, and that's just the nature, I think, of getting guests to come on too. Like, uh, some Yeah, people... that's the way to go, especially for your show because it's, you know, the primary thing is you two, much like Juan and I, the primary point is 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 us having a, a conversation so uh you know say one became disinterested or something like that then i would maybe transition it to like okay i'll make it a regular thing to have a guest on um but then there's all sorts of other things you have to deal with like pre-recording so that if a guest falls out you don't have a gap in the schedule sort of thing etc mm, et yeah. so yeah that 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 gets um <laughs> anxiety inducing <laughs> Definitely. We haven't had anybody ghost us yet. Yeah, knock on wood. We've had some uh, reschedules for sure. Yeah, but yeah, uh, well, reschedules. You know, that takes up so much time. Yeah, so, that's so. always. Sometimes it's just like uh, you got to kick the can down the road, and then you got to move the calendar around and um, yeah, turn it upside down, <laughs> when, flip it back and forth, and <laughs> yep. randomly pick out a date, and hopefully that'll work. Yeah, that's basically the that's basically the deal. Yeah, like the the ability to keep flexible on the time too allows us to have a variety of people. You know, if, if it was all just nine p.m. Central on a weeknight, then uh, not everybody would be able to get in. You know, For I don't. Sure. Uh, hey, I I wanted to ask you two about how you found. So I I know you found podcasting two through through no agenda. I think you've mentioned that, but was there a reason you you really jumped into it and dived into it deep first? Were you uh, like, well, f- so for me, the primary motivation was I was, I felt like I was banging my head against a brick wall, um, you know, creating the podcast, but I wasn't sure how I could improve it any more than I, than I currently was. It was like, okay, I either have to, um, you know, resort to sort of advertising or, 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 or that sort of growth for growth sake sort of stuff. Um, but then it was like, oh, now I can include chapters and links and, uh, boostergrams and all this sort of cool shit. Uh, what what was your motivation for for joining podcasting two What what really drew you in a, in about it? Well, from my perspective, I have just always really believed in value for value, and adding on to that and giving more value out to our community because that's what value for value has given us is a community of bowlers, not like an audience. We thrive on participation. And so just adding more value out there was so exciting to me. Yeah, I love that idea of uh, yeah. just another lane, you know, another uh, avenue of participation. I mean, I think the first podcasting 2.0 I heard was like episode four or something like that. I'm pretty sure it was the fourth one. But it was on the No Agenda stream in this slot, this slot like the that plays right after the show. Oh, cool, yeah. Which I, there's some people out there that just like, always play the stream or listen to it a lot. Sometimes people um, listen just for the NA show. Sometimes people don't ever listen to the live show too, which is wild. Like how many different ways there are to, you know, consume the podcast or interact with the, you know, product itself. Like how you consume the podcast is 
dramatically different for everybody. But the first for, time I listened live was literally just, you know, an hour ago. Wow. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> well, we got a new live son of a bitch, I guess, huh? Here yeah, it's just a. Uh, uh, this you know. is a new live son of a bitch. Wow, I had a back echo there. That was a good one. Uh, yeah, it's just a uh, you know six a.m. is on a. It's not appealing to me. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you got a little uh, different time. To, see, now it's I'm achievable. A 7 Eight a.m. Maybe. Now it's like slightly more achievable because they shifted two hours later uh, as a start time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for us. It was. It just came on right after NH Live, and I've been listening to No Agenda pretty much exclusively live now for four years, something yeah. like that. I don't know. Probably four years. Something like that. Like since since the uh, since my oldest was a baby, I kind of transitioned into that whole like live lifestyle, and it really is. It's like that's the lifestyle, and so my podcast listening changed to trying to catch up on stuff I was behind on. And it shifted to listening to the things that I knew were live when they were live. And then if I miss stuff, then I just miss stuff, you know? And it was like, you got to be okay with missing stuff. Or like, there was no more being behind, you know? Either you heard something or you didn't. And Okay, um, so you wouldn't even go back to, to stuff you missed? Sometimes I do, but it's pretty rare. And the reason I think is both... Uh, I think the reason is mainly just because I like I met so many of these guys in person, and um, like I know a lot of the No Agenda podcasters now. I met a lot of them in person. Uh, many of them I just talked to in the back channels too. But like internet friends and and IRL friends now, you know. And so at at first I was like, oh, I got to be there and in the chat room and saying clever things and like always, you know, and like sending money every week and all this stuff, you know. Like I was just like so obsessed, and then I had to be like. There's so there's so much going on in this community that I have to, and I have a lot that I juggle personally too. You know, I've got like uh, four jobs, and got <laughs> they're all like a lot of gig jobs. You know, so I'm always juggling stuff. Plus the show, plus um, you know, three kids going on four now. So the, there was just so much stuff, and it was like piling up, piling up to where I was just like, you know what? I'm going to take what I can get day by day. And if I'm behind, there's no more behind, you know, like, uh, there are things that I'll catch up, especially if there's like a key guest. Uh, there are f a few that I rarely miss. So like podcasting 2.0, for example, I, that's like borderline work for me. You know what I mean? Like that's a borderline, like job where I got to listen. So if I don't catch that live, which they haven't even been doing live for that long, um, then I'll always go back and listen to that. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff now I just catch live when I catch live, but I don't know, getting back to the original question, I guess we took like <laughs> a long detour exit here, the scenic route to get there. But I just, that early episode, I, I heard the fourth one and then I had much less catching up to do. I just binged the, the first yeah, three, nice. which was an easy one. And then I don't know that vision the vision that Dave and Adam laid out in those early days of why they were doing it, which was, you know, to basically entrench the freedom that podcasting originally intended uh, so that it would last forever because it was under threat and to open up this brand new way to actually receive value and give listeners a brand new way to do value for value in real time that was censorship censorship resistant one that couldn't be killed uh that 
vision that they laid down was so appealing to me at its core because, you know, we have been in the no agenda sphere and, and listening to the show since 2014, 2014 2013, yep. something like that. Uh, I think it was like right before Christmas of 2013. And um, it's just like when it, when they explained it like that, I immediately saw the vision and I didn't even care. I was like, you know what, as far as the technical stuff, I've, I've used Bitcoin for a long time, but I had never heard of the Lightning Network or sent a Lightning payment. I never ran a node or anything like that. I didn't know what any of the shit was. But I saw that vision, that basic vision, and I said, you know what, that is the future. That's not going away. I want us to be a part of that, like, right now. And we got a node on Voltage, and we... Had the hooked... Sphinx tribe rocking. Yeah, we hooked it up <laughs> to oh, yeah. Sphinx, yeah. and... Uh, you know, as as many headaches as we went through of all the different uh, uh, stuff you can go through. Here's the Sphinx tribe. They really got the Sphinx tribe rocking. Uh, yeah, as, you know, I was just like, any brick wall, I'm just going to bash my head through it until I come to the other side. Because, uh, you know, if, if we're going to do adoption and more and more people are going to use this, like, you know, then at least I've got to be able to do it. And um, I think there was like less than 100 shows that had value tags when we got when we yeah. got sphinxed up nice, and nice. uh I, I think when i i joined i managed to get all all my shows on uh and i think there was about 400 or 500 so at one point i i dominated one percent of the of nice. the uh the value tax because i had four <laughs> four or five shows <laughs> yeah there was this time where three speak uh brian of london kind of like hooked them up yeah, and it was just yeah. like and every yeah, ex- explosion. Ev- every free speak show then was value for valued so or a three speak I should say so when you were scrolling through the value uh, list on podcasting 2.0 site it was just all three speak three yeah. speak three da, da, speak da, da, three on speak, three speak. Da, 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 on, on three speak yeah. oh man uh, yeah and it's just uh, to watch it have grown I, it doesn't feel like that long ago and yet it also feels like a lifetime ago it's one of those like duality things you know where yeah I, I can't imagine not having found it you know it's it's actually yeah. funnily enough dominated so much of my decision making and consumed my thoughts for the past yeah geez what year and a half that it's it's sort of like okay if i hadn't found it what what would i be doing now and i honestly have no idea because i i i hope i would have had enough of sort of like ethical morals to be go nah, you know what i'm i don't care enough about podcasting if if I have to, if I have to shill stuff on my show to, right. to sort of make it a lifestyle, um, no, I'd just rather not do that. So yeah, it just yeah. it kills the content and it kills the, uh, it just fakeifies all of the relationships. You know, like you you have with value for value this very pure ability to just have an honest, unassuming relationship with literally anybody who wants in. And anybody who wants out can just be out. And there's no creepy bullshit in the background or no like, oh, he's been saying this for years and now he's doing this or any of that. Like, you know, there's no strings pulling you in a direction that you don't want to go. So then you can just be open and honest and totally organic with everything. Hmm. How have you guys gone? Uh, like, what's sort of the reaction in, in real life when you explain it to people? Because I know you were talking about how you used it for... Abel and the Wolf, and um, and well, obviously with your own shows when you when you explain it to people, 
what what's sort of the general react? Do people sort of get it when when you explain value for value um, directly to someone's face? Um, not for me. A lot of people are just like, "Ooh, that's a vow <laughs> of poverty." No thanks. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's freedom." Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's freedom, though. Yeah, I yes. think that like uh, the status quo, you have this ability to like blow up, right? You have this ability to like get either super rich or super famous or super stupid or super something, right? Overnight with either a a TikTok celebrity or a like SoundCloud rappers or, you know, like uh, I was just trying to think that, like the other day of like new artists and maybe I'm just an old dad and I just don't know a lot of new artists, but I'm like, how does that even happen these days? You know, like uh, do you get plucked off a of YouTube, SoundCloud, TikTok or what, what's going on? And the problem with that is like, it's so fickle, you know, it can blow up and then it can die off just as fast. And what we wanted to build was something that would last, you know, something that's sustainable, that's reasonable. And we're not interested in blowing up or taking over any segment of anything or, you know, uh, capturing a percentage of a demo or any kind of like dumb shit that uh, big shows have to like actually worry about and like look at charts over, you know, like we just uh, bring our content and it is shaped and morphed by the people who care about that content and it grows organically. So it's not like we don't have audience growth, but we grow the audience by actually growing the value that's put in. And so we can focus just on the value put in and we don't have to worry about any of the bullshit. Yeah, that's actually a really good, um, a, a good argument. It's, it's almost, um, you know, if you're looking at it from, uh, I don't know, an energy intensive point of view, the, I don't know, you know, I can't look into Miley. I'll give you a couple of artists because you're in a, you're, you're maybe you're the boomer here. <laughs> ah, yeah. Maybe we found the boomer. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. But like, you know, let's, let's just take Ariana Grande or something like that. Okay. How much of her time is consumed with, uh, meetings related to her brand and, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, okay. Which sponsorship deal should I take, uh, you know, how should I portray myself? Um, should I, you know, collaborate with this person? Is this, is this uh, like going to be beneficial? Is this going to, you know, I, I imagine there's so much time spent on not making music and, and not making the best music she can. And it's more uh, the, yeah, sort of like the side politicking type stuff, um, mm-hmm. which, which obviously, well, means she's not going to be creating good music and, Look, let, let's uh, not debate whether her music is good or not. I don't really care either way. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, that's that's um, you know the uh, speaking to you. The only sort of detraction I would I could think of against value for value is um, although it's been proven with with Adam and um, and John, mm-hmm. it's it's still kind of like a a a, a case of one for a pure. You know, they're they're doing it so purely. There's there's no yeah. they don't have any other side gigs. They don't have to rely on anything else. Like they that's how they live and support. You know, two families. Like they always say. Um, and this is just where it's like, yes, amazing. There's a use case of one, but you know, like I mentioned, Adam is crazy. Sure, like he is he is a, such a unique individual. And uh, I don't know John as 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 well, but you know, I'm, I'm sure he's. 
um, sort of just in, as unique in its own way. So it's sort of like, can maybe, you know, th- let's say they're in top 0.1% of uniqueness, can maybe someone who's like, I don't know, top 5% of uniqueness get to that, maybe not same level, but that uh, that ability to to have a, a lifestyle supported purely through value for value. Um, and yeah, that, that's going to be the exciting stuff coming from all of this. Definitely. I hope to be able to do it. I'm, I want to try and prove it for myself, but you know, I also recognize I'm not <laughs> sure the same level as Adam. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of, of, a, of his abilities. It's such a long term mapping out too. That those, it, yeah, that it those really guys, is. I mean, 15 years they've been doing the no agenda show, you know? And so, uh, there is that aspect of it. And there's also an aspect of, you know, John was still a professional writer and, uh, had a gig at PC magazine until just a couple of years ago. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, Adam for his part has done other things. He's been pure value for value, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. He's always tongue in cheek when he says that he married Tina for the money. I don't, you know, that's a joke that he uh, often makes, but there yeah. are, there are other factors and I don't think like, um, like for myself, realistically, I don't see the value for value aspect of the show being like my sole lifeline or my sole breadwin. Um, but to transform like more aspects of my life into that concept or idea, uh, just in working for myself, uh, the jobs and the gigs that I do, I, I kind of try to have that same mindset or that same relationship of, you know, this is a two way street. Like I'm putting this in and I'm getting this out. But if that's ever out of balance, like many people just will hang in at some, I don't know, unfulfilling job or unfulfilling, um, career path or, you know, like you said, the mining thing, like you couldn't see a long term there. And so, you were like, well, let's kind of experiment. Let's do some other stuff. Let's see if something else works. And that's how we have always been. We don't have like the whole one career track, super hyper-focused. Like I like to keep my options open. I like to juggle a lot of balls and keep them in the air. And, and I have a lot of different weird like niche interests too. And I don't want like, I don't know. I don't want to set one of those down to pick up the other or this or that. So I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting thought. Like, can value for value be my soul, uh, you know, putting food on the table? And I think that the answer really comes down to, well, what lifestyle are you going to leave lead? You know, like what, uh, what's your nut every month? And, um, people who actually radically try will find that you can get your nut down to a very small number per month of what you actually really need just to eat and live. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's um, the sort of minimalist lifestyle. I, mm-hmm. I um, it's not, you know what? Not even minimalist in a way. It's it's because uh, I still have tons of stuff. Like you know, I've, sure, I, yeah. it, it it accumulates all the time, and you know, I'll go through a periodic purge of just like, okay, I don't need this, but uh, it's it's more like just not even not a me- not even minimalist, but just non-consumptive. Just uh, do I do I really need? that extra, you know, it's, it's always that extra thing. Do I always need that extra trinket or that gadget or that food or yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, 
also when you were say, talking about not being solely reliant on it, you know, that's kind of a good thing as well because absolutely. Let, let's just say, you know, God forbid John died. Would this show be the same without him? No. And so then Adam's kind of like, if he was solely relying on, on that show, then, you know, that's, that's a kind of precarious situation to be in. So having those, um, those other options elsewhere as well is, is good. Yeah, I'm I'm the same as you as well. Um, I'm I'm going to be a better handstander, a hand balancer than I will be a podcaster, just because I spend so much more time doing that. So, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's being being hyper focused on one thing is 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 fun, but I, it's it's still like there's other things to life than being the best at insert whatever. Yeah, that's a that's a great way. I I just think of it as one more. Uh, part of my life I can decentralize, you know? And uh, I think that's how to really, if we're thinking about future-proofing and uncertain futures and all of that, like it's decentralization as, a, as an overarching concept, meaning I don't have a big single point of failure when it comes to all of the important things for my survival. And what is that? Like uh, food, shelter, and um, money. You know, like that's kind of the big three. And uh, at least over here, I don't know uh, much about Australian culture, but like the food and the medicine and the uh, education system and the media and entertainment systems, the supply chains, all of these things are just so over-centralized and, you know, in constant precarious states like the the whole coronavirus thing obviously made everything even more so, but it really just kind of highlighted how delicate, fragile, and unreliable the system as it stands is. And, like, we got to have as many different ideas of how to, like, route around that or not rely solely on that as we can. You know, we got chickens. We got uh, – we're just trying to, like, chip away at that kind of thing in any kind of wacky way. And, uh, you know, my – I can't feed my family on eight chickens in the backyard, but it's just that piece by piece mentality. I think of like in five years, we want to be even more decentralized in 10 years. We want to be more decentralized. For sure. You can't just do one chicken, uh, one chicken per person. <laughs> <laughs> Once you eat the chicken, you got no eggs, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, in, in terms of Australian culture, it's, it's kind of like a mini delayed America. So uh, I, th- I think uh, the excesses that that you guys have in some ways don't uh, like we don't ha- I wouldn't say we particularly have a Hollywood but we've got maybe a mini Hollywood mm. uh, you know there's uh, and whatever happens over in, in sort of your side of the world it tends making to make its way here about roughly about three or four years later so the culture wars and, and things like that. Uh, that that comes here usually in three or four years time, so like you can't get a gauge of like, oh, okay, there's you know we might have a bit of woke culture coming in <laughs> x amount of time. So I think it was 2013, 2014 was when the the sort of culture wars on campuses at, at your like I'd, I'd never heard of a safe space, for example. Sure. Uh, in 2013, when I was at uni, but um, you know, three years later when, um, well, uh, was it three years later? Uh, yeah, it was, it was about three years later when my brother, um, went to the, the very same uni 
that's that's when I started hearing about that sort of stuff. So interesting. Yeah, it's like Australia is sort of like where we're at in the middle of the country, and I think all that stuff like starts on the coasts, the east and the west coast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then it, like, it <laughs> so takes... we actually go through the same stuff at the same yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> think so we, we all takes because we're on that three to four year trickle too for like fads trends and uh definitely the political weirdness like takes a while to kind of i don't know slither its way through the underbelly of society yeah for sure for sure and get out here to what they call flyover country what's that can you're in kansas right uh kansas city missouri um Zero. which is a always a weird one we're in the missouri side and most of the city is on the missouri side they're like a few noteworthy, so there is a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri, but the Missouri one is the, uh, it's probably like five times or four times the population, and um, the stadiums and the downtown and everything is on the Missouri side. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, yeah, it's one of those common weird ones, not only just from uh, people from other countries, but also people from the coasts. It's always like, uh, huh? Casey Mo, what is that? I thought we were in Kansas. <laughs> Kansas City yeah. is not in Kansas. And then yeah, you're like, yeah. well, it is, but mostly it's not. But it still is technically, yeah. But I don't know. I cross state lines frequently. <laughs> uh, what about Australia? I was, I was going to ask you um, if there's any particular uh, good Aussie slang that you got because I you started the show uh, saying uh, you were just, or maybe it was the, right before we start recording, uh, mentioned that you were just uh, getting up and cleaning your teeth because you are really in the morning there. Uh, yep, literally. And, and that one always jumped out at me at Bluey. Everything uh, that I know about Australian culture, <laughs> I've like vicariously course, yeah. absorbed through when my kids watch Bluey. And cleaning nice, your teeth nice. is one that was just like subtle, but that I liked. Because we say brushing your teeth. Brushing, yeah, of course. Which yeah. is a little bit lamer, I think. Or like, I don't know. I like cleaning your teeth. It feels more wholesome and like goal oriented, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I suppose it's a, it's more holistic in general. It's like, you know, we're, we're doing everything to them. We're not just brushing them with a the brush, you know, we've got, got, got uh, all sorts of um, toothpicks and <laughs> things like that. Uh, you know, funnily enough, I actually have a uh, note on uh, Evernote, which I call Aussie slang because um, oh, beautiful. Uh, I'm, I, uh, I, I'm really into um, learning languages as, as well, so uh, it's it's useful, especially when I was traveling to to have um, some. And I think actually most, uh, like in Spanish, you say lavar los dientes, so that's that's sort of like to wash your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's a that's another little difference. Um, uh, a good one. One of my favorites is uh, if you're if someone says something and it's kind of like one of those, your, your, your response is meant to be um, it, like, obviously that's what I'm here to do. Like uh, you're, you're in a bar or something and someone says, you want to drink, you know, the obvious answer is yes. Uh-huh. So uh, that's where you say um, uh, like, I didn't come here to fuck spiders. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's kind of like, yes. It's like <laughs> yes. Uh, the equivalent to our no shit Sherlock. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, here's just, I'll, I'll, I'll list them off rapidly. So cutting shapes is uh, dance moves. So if you're on the dance floor, it's cutting shapes, okay. uh, on the piss means you're drinking. <laughs> uh, this isn't, isn't particularly slang, but not many people 
this is probably where people who come to Australia probably um, they stuff up with this word reckon. So instead of like I think, I say I reckon. Hmm. Uh, we use I use reckon all the time. That's 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 constant. in heavy use in our area too. Okay. Okay. Cool. Which might be uh, just go, a sticks thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, um, Bluey actually is from Brisbane as well. So whatever words oh, you hear from there is, nice. would, would nice. maybe be um Brisbane slang as well. Uh, to go on a bender. That's that's kind of like to to drink. Uh, almost all of these are related to drinking somehow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I don't know. Uh, when you say class uh, sunglasses, do you would you say yeah? I've got a pair of sunnies. Not of sunnies, a uh, pair of shades. Pair of shades. Okay, uh, that's yeah. probably the most frequent one. When I was like a baby, um, I would always put glasses on and go, "Hey, dude!" And so in my family, like inside slang, that we'd call them dudes. So like sunglasses, we call oh, nice, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> so like I left my dudes at the. Uh, at school or something, you know, I lost my dudes on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one, kicking goals. That kind of means like you're doing well. Oh, um, nice. No wackers. I don't know if you've heard that one before. Uh. Uh-uh. It's kind of it's sort of like no worries, no wackers. Oh, very nice. And I'm not sure how that's spelt either. It could be. I've seen it spelled five different ways. <laughs> w k w k k a s w a k a s. You know, w a double k a s. However, uh-huh. uh, and another kind of fun one is um, if you want to <laughs> if you want to bring someone down a peg, uh, you just you just say something like uh, "top bloke shit haircut." <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. I love it. And that was not yeah, about so drinking at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Top bloke shit haircut. <laughs> so that's the um, that's that's what I've got on my list. There's tons more, of course, um, but those those are the ones I I find funny. Yeah, that's great. My grandpa had a bunch of like old like witticism sayings, you know, of just like different things he would come up with. But one of my favorite uh, ones that had me just rolling when I was really little, like a little kid was uh because we play card games a lot like cribbage and uh skit scat and different uh just different round the table card games and um uh, if you'd get like a just like on a hot winning streak uh my grandpa would say you're lucky enough to shit in a swinging jug <laughs> <laughs> which is already funny but then it got like over explained you know <laughs> of like how lucky you would have to be to like actually land a shit when there's a jug below you swinging back and forth <laughs> and how like small of the mouth the jug is. And uh, like my uh, dad was just like over and over explaining it. And it yeah, became yeah, exactly. so hilarious <laughs> that uh, the shorthand of it would be jug boy. So you'd just call somebody who got lucky jug boy. It'd be jug boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, man, the, the amount of just lingo and, um, expressions that you can have from languages is is ridiculous and yeah when you explain it like that it it's kind of you could explain each one of them down to its particular depths and really get into you know maybe there was someday a, a contest <laughs> where someone yeah. tried to <laughs> try to to shit in a jug maybe but uh yeah there's this it's it's funny how languages morph so much over time um and also, there's like the similarities and differences. Um, it's kind of fun learning. So, so my Spanish is is kind of at a good level, and I'm I'm learning German now. And 
having Spanish and English makes German so much easier because sure. if, if a word doesn't make sense in, um, in English or like the, the direct translation isn't, isn't so good. So sometimes it is dog, for example, is, is hund, you know, the hound. Oh, that's, sure. that's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be others like uh, foggy or fog and, in you know in english fog obviously but it's it's like neblig or or something like that in um in in german uh, which isn't super helpful but then in spanish it's like nebloso so it's mm. it's like oh nice so you ching I, I can remember that one you basically so, double your uh your tickets in the in the drawing for cognate so you know like for sure like, so that's oh, when there's it's no english cognate but maybe there's a spanish one yeah, so when you hear about people who are super polyglots, you know, they've got nine languages or something, you, you can get away with kind of five or six languages of the, the Romance languages, like England, English, Italian, French, Spanish, Romanian. If you, if you learn two of them, you've, you've got most of what's required to, well, maybe not most, you've got, I'd say like 50% of what's required to get another one uh, and it gets easier, which is, which is nice because the first time you learn a language, it sucks, Paul. Definitely. It is so excruciating. Yeah, especially if you learn it like as an adult. Mm. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about um, programming. I think I kind of already asked you this when, when I had you on the mere models, but just the, the way your brain thinks differently when you're creating something in, in code. Like, do you think in English? You know, does it, is that how it sort of hmm. goes through your head or is it kind of like, numbers and and set set um i don't even know what you call them like set set lines of code for example like you just like sure. oh this this copy and paste thing in here will work perfectly there's a lot of parallel in language i think with code um i think uh like you want to do something just like you want to say something in a language you want to like achieve a task in coding and you have to figure out how to basically say that to the computer and then the computer will do that for you. And so, you know, there's different languages and frameworks that you're writing in. So syntax is important. Uh, a big difference in coding versus language is that in language, you know, you can make a syntax error and somebody can get what you're saying and go, Oh, okay. In coding, if you have like uh, a strict syntax and then you're missing a parenthesis somewhere or you're missing a curly bracket somewhere or, you know, you didn't put the comma in the right spot. It's not going to do anything. It won't understand anything you're saying if one little thing is off. Uh, an- another thing that's similar, though, between, I'd say, programming and, and, and learning and speaking different languages is um, that when you start... W- first, it's all about immersion, it's like um, the more that you're doing it every day and more hours of the day, the more you pick up, the more you retain, the more it makes sense to you. Um, and it's not like riding a bike, just like languages are not like riding a bike. Like if, you know, I learned, uh, I got pretty good at Spanish throughout in high school and college, but I really never had that full immersion to make it conversational. And yeah. today my Spanish is nothing like it was 10 years ago. And so you can easily lose that i think that in coding it it drains away or fades away even faster like if i want to oh, do something <laughs> if i want to do something in coding again and i know that i've done it before i will just like pull up my old code 
because I'm like, oh, I've no, I've written how to do this before. I've written this function before, but I need to like find it and look it up to see what it did or how I, you know, how I made it work. And so it's kind of like, it's very much, cause it's not a, uh, it's not a human based language. It's how it's based upon how computers think, you know? And then we've extracted this layer that's sort of like quasi human readable, but, uh, really still caters to how a computer thinks and speaks and works. So it's tough. It's, uh, it's kind of funny too, because you start out sort of like, uh, you know, if, if you're new to a language and you're immersed in it and you're somewhere speaking it, you would bring like a phrase book or a guidebook with you and then like flip through it constantly and like say, Oh yeah, uh, I'd like to order the steak. And you'd put, you know, pull that out. And then you just have this like pre cut. You're just going to say exactly what the book says. You know, you don't like add your own flavor or like any kind of humor to it. You're just like, I'm just trying to communicate this one thing. And that's how you start off with coding too. You go to, Oh, how do, how did other people pull this off? And then you just like, are cutting and pasting code and pieces and putting them together and saying, all right, well, I wanted to do this. So I'm just going to take this that worked and make it, you know, put it in here. And then maybe over time, just like language, you develop maybe the local flavor or your own particular accent or like sayings and different things to like make it your own. You can do the same in code where you're going to clean up different things or, Oh, I want to add this little bit of functionality or, Oh, when it does this, I want to also fire off this. Like, um, that kind of th- blossoms over time, but yeah, language and, and programming, it's, it's, there's a lot of parallels there for sure in the way that your brain works and, you know, the, the challenge of it over time for sure. Mm. Can I selfishly ask, uh, I've, I'm, I'm since joining podcasting 2.0, I've become increasingly aware of how annoyed I get of <laughs> not being able to participate in some things and especially the, the coding side of things. So I'm sort of thinking of trying to pick it up over the next year or two. What's what's like a good starting point? I've I've usually heard start with Java or Python. Um, yeah, a lot and- of a lot of guys will recommend Python starting out. I love that recommendation because um, it doesn't require a lot of the semicolon branching, different or uh, curly braces, all the different things that uh, C-based languages like are strict on. Um, it's kind of based upon spacing, you know, rather than all of that different stuff. So Python's great. There is a book called automate the boring stuff that oh, I've uh, heard about this. Yeah. Bored stupid on uh, no agenda social turned me on to, and we were actually going through it together for a while. And then, uh, we were both really bad accountability partners for each other. <laughs> uh, so we got through like, I think seven, six or seven chapters of that. And I really want to, uh, finish that out someday. Lorian and I started and we're even worse accountability partners because we <laughs> yeah. got through one chapter of it together. We need to start a podcast. If we started a <laughs> podcast, see, and this is the thing that Abel Kirby solved with Abelcraft. It yeah. was like kind of a similar thing where we had some music going and you know, we were we were doing stuff, but it wasn't like we were like down working it, getting it, you know? And then he was like, you know, we were just on a clean feed call. We'd check in with each other once in a while and he was like let's turn this into a podcast so that we do it every week and we start to like actually care about it and get excited about it. And that's, you know, that's why we have an album now. So maybe you're right. Maybe we should make it a, a, a podcast. Could do yeah. That. It's kind of that passive, um, prompting in a way. Cause if it, if it becomes too formal, you're like, uh, look, I, I don't, I don't want it to 
like I, I'm not really planning on becoming a, a serious artist or something like that sure. maybe and it's and it's and that sort of pressure can put you off but if it's you know the pressure of a friend expecting something or you said you'd do something for this next week uh yeah you know that 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 can work so it's it's finding that like uh, I, I always look at it as like finding the things that'll let me become a like a better person or do the right things without prompting so sure uh, that that's why I think you know Bitcoin's amazing because it's it's influenced my thinking and the not not only my thinking the 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 sort of ethics slash philosophy behind it but my actions as well. I'm way more generous now than I was yeah. two years ago. Like I've <laughs> I've sent out way more satoshis than I ever have in uh, in sort of like real real dollars. Sure. Um, although I have supported people in the past, it's just like it's made it way more accessible and easier for me to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to do it, you know. So totally. that's that's yeah, finding finding ways to trick yourself into doing the right thing is the um uh, I don't I think that's one of like the sick the key parts of life. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, the the thing I love about the automate the boring stuff is it it's uh, not built it's built for an in-between of like coders and non-coders, you know, and it comes from a place where they're going to teach you the very basics of like looping and branching and data types and string manipulation and doing simple math. And then as, as you get deeper and deeper into it, they talk about like file structures and organizing files correctly, reading and writing files, debugging, web scraping, working with JSON data, CS, uh, CSV files, working with uh, like Word documents and PDFs, so different types of files, and then scheduling tasks, uh, manipulating images, sending email and text automatically, and controlling the keyboard and mouse is like the last chapter. So you can like, go, you get all the way to like automating GUI at the end, and then by the end of the book, you can pretty much do all of your tasks. Like if you have a weekly task that you always have to do on the computer, you could write a Python script to do it for you at a certain time and it just goes. So yeah, that's like, that's been my dream to make it to the end of the book so I could make my life easier, but I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) Someday. I think you're you're sort of, you're like me and um, I had on my, my goals list to, to, like get a lightning node that that was on there for I don't know it was probably like six months. Mm-hmm. I was like every month I would come to it and like I've I've done nothing to do this. <laughs> yep. I've I've it sort of, it sort of reminded me of your website the the eternal website. Oh, yeah. Like I'll I'll do I'll do like a little bit of work on it. I'll I'll investigate a bit more. It's like learn a little bit about a lightning channel how how net like the 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 networking sort of works. Yep. You know, uh, things like that. And then I just go like, man, I can, I can see how much work this is. Like, if I if I commit to, if I commit to it, like if I commit to you know getting a a, a Raspberry Pi and um, the you know other couple like the heat sink, the fan, or whatever else it is that are, that is necessary, it's just like I've I've, I've chained myself to <laughs> yeah. hours, Honestly, hundreds of hours potentially of learning. <laughs> going back to that, uh, why did you get in in the first place? Like that was another one of the things, man. It was like we were like, like I didn't know what a node was. I just know I needed one. I just knew I needed one, and so I just got a voltage node, and 
you know, did a rent a one with the knowledge that like, eventually I want one in my own house. Eventually I'm going to build one, but I'm going to rent one for a while. And the reason I did that was just literally to chain myself to the thing. Like, like you're saying, you know, like it's daunting, but I was just like, you know what, if I don't do it right now while I'm thinking about it, then I'm just going to like let it roll and let it slip or whatever. And it was like, I got to strike right now while it's hot and early. And like, that's been, you know, now I can look back to over a year and a half ago when I first started and like see all the progress, but it's, it's just like chipping away at that day by day. And, you know, sometimes a few weeks go by where I don't learn anything new or do anything connected to my note or lightning or any of that. Like sometimes it's just like, you just publish three episodes, you know, and in those three weeks and that's all you do. And then the rest of your time you're focused on, you know, doing family stuff or taking care of like real life stuff. And then these little innovations come. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the website because I'm always like down on myself for the stupid website that I want done already. And um, I've been learning more uh, React stuff at work to be able to teach it because uh, our resident React guy is leaving soon. And so I'm going to step in and fill his shoes. And I pulled up my old uh, attempt at trying to like start rewriting our website. And I was like, wow, there's like actually a lot more stuff done in here than I had remembered. And so I got all excited again and started adding a few pieces. And I, it just is like, it just made me realize like, you know, it's all right to have things on the back burner because as long as they're still there and you're still like giving them attention, even if you let them circle back, even if like, you're like, Oh, I'm going to look at this this month again. Mm, I'm still not ready. It's still there in the back of your mind. And you're still like, you've trained your subconsciousness basically to, to pick up on it. So, you know, if somebody's talking about a node setup around you and you happen to overhear it, you're going to be interested like that. And you're going to say, Oh, there's this new node implementation that never came out before, but because that's been on my to-do list and I've been blowing it off. Sure. But because it's been on there nagging me, I'm in the right place primed for this to come into my life. You know, you like you have the door unlocked and it, it, it's ready. So, the whole to-do list thing, like I've, I've learned over the last couple of years doing this stuff to not really like get down on yourself because it's still there because it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's still there. You know, it's like, you haven't given up on it. It's still on your to-do list. Yeah. You wish it was done already by now, but like, look at all the other stuff you're knocking out too. You know, like you can't do it all. You can't do it all in just one day. Like, yeah, it's, well, it's about knowing yourself as well because, you know, that that advice for other people would probably not resonate and it's like, I don't know how that, you know, how can you just have something not not uh, working on, like it's taking out mental space, things like that. I'm sort of, I'm kind of probably like 50-50 between, between those two. Sure. I, 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 I need to have something written down, something like to look forward to and if it's constantly there bugging me like the Node one was, uh, you know, that that it's it's kind of motivating and demotivating at the same time and finding that balance with, between the two. Um, I think you were saying on Ablecraft that you've, you, you were having like, uh, I don't know if it was like a, um, a moment of inspiration or something where you realize React actually is how you want to put the website in, right? Yeah, it was mostly this work stuff and um, just learning, uh, basically being forced to dive deeper on all of this stuff to be able to teach it to others. Um, I'm, it's an immersion thing, right? So it's like, uh, 
I'm, I'm trying to make like a language example. Like, I don't know if you had the, if you had this novella you wanted to really write and you have all the ideas for it and you know what the characters are going to be and you know what, like they're going to do, but you're like, oh shit, well, you know, which language should this be in? Or like, you know, what medium should it be? Should I do an audio book or a podcast? You know, should I do a physical book? Should I do a digital book? These are the kind of things that were kicking around that weren't quite there yet. And then I got the immersion of React with work to be like, all right, you've got to learn all of this deeper API calls. You've got to learn uh, data creation. You know, you got to learn full CRUD functionality where you can create and edit and delete records in your web application, uh, just all in React. And, and the immersion was like, oh, so I could do that stuff I want to do like this. So I can do that I want to do like that. And it was like, it was like all these lights were just lighting up to where I was like, all right, I think I know now exactly what I want to do. Um, and then, you know, it's just taking those examples that I saw, like, oh, this will work for me too, and then just flipping them back over. Uh, and maybe, I don't know, somebody was telling me about a new Node implementation that I had not heard before uh, from L2 Technology. It's called Sensei, L2.technology slash Sensei, and I'll put a link in the show notes in the chat right now, but... Uh, maybe another pass and maybe, uh, maybe you'll like that one better. I know that, uh, I've run raspy blitz since the beginning and raspy blitz, uh, I should say since the beginning of me getting my own node and building my own node, raspy blitz is not really the most, uh, beautiful on ramp for people who like a pretty UI and like these other sort of, um, application-based interactions with technology. Um, there's a lot of command line involved, and uh, the troubleshooting can be a little bit more frustrating uh, than, say, like an Umbral, which uh, everything's dockerized, and it kind of like fixes itself all the time, uh, which is kind of nice. But if you want more control, you have to sacrifice the ease of use. The Sensei thing that I've been looking up, it's interesting. I, I've only like scratched the surface a couple times, but the whole point is supposed to be uh, way more new user-friendly. And um, I don't know, something to, something to look into. Maybe maybe that would be an easier way than... Uh, they don't even ever mention a, a Raspberry Pi. I think that you can, you know, they just say on a machine. So, like, I think that a lot of people get stuck on the whole Raspberry Pi thing for nodes. And, you know, an old laptop running Debian, you can put a... a, a uh, lightning node on or you could get a virtual machine that you pay you know whatever a few bucks a month to to just stay on for you and you're running it on that um there's a lot of different actual ways to do it than a raspberry pi and i think that that's another thing that has limited people to getting a node is is like oh well if i build a node i have to get a raspberry pi and um you know i've i did it that way because that was like what everybody talked about but the more I'm looking into, you know, there are sort of sometimes there are drawbacks for Raspberry Pi. You know, they're, they're limited in their computing power, for instance. So I don't know. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I actually tried um, with a, I, I think it's like a 2006 MacBook. <laughs> oh, yeah. To, to set something up. And man, that thing was so broken. Dang, yeah. <laughs> there was no way I was getting anything done on that. <laughs> I, have an, I have an 08 MacBook Pro that long ago i've just like pulled it apart for different uh parts and stuff and 
the display stopped working, so I had to pull the hard drive out to get some files off of it, and then I just have been pulling it apart <laughs> ever since, just <laughs> little piece by piece. Yeah, just the, that old. I've got like another mini um, laptop that I used for for traveling uh, because I wanted the the most lightweight uh, one that I could find. I think it weighed uh, how much was it? It was, it was like less than half a kilo. It was just, it was it was a tiny thing, uh, and yeah, I, it, it was great for the year I was traveling. And then basically, <laughs> as soon as I stopped, it just fell apart. <laughs> it was. It was uh, not 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 durable at all, um, and in terms of like the software on it, <laughs> or the I, I don't even know how to explain it. Well, the things it uh, it, it got very slow very quickly. Yeah, the things just <laughs> bogged down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can always be a a huge limiting factor, no doubt. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, actually, that's one thing that's I think why I've never been particularly drawn to to coding. Um, which is uh, in some ways because it is the the frustrations I have of of the the problem not being um, I don't know how like easily identifiable uh, like I, I I could imagine myself getting super annoyed at a missing bracket somewhere or a missing whatever mm-hmm. and it's you know it's such a simple thing but it's it's you have to spend hours and hours. And I, I get the the payoff, like the payoff when you finally solve the problem, and it's like, oh, yep, you know, thank you, thank yes, it's done. <laughs> but uh, man, just introducing that that amount of like anxiety, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh... I, I I I don't mind some anxiety in my life, but it's it's got to be like a particular type or a particular sure. kind. And so I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna. This is one of those ones where it's like it'll be a tester for me. Like I'll, I'll try and learn some code, see how I go. But if I find myself just constantly getting bogged down with these things and and not enjoying that payoff as much as the the, the frustration is worth, it'll be like, all right, I'll I'll tap out here. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just go for the the ready made solutions, and you know, I'll you know, I, I, I've I, I haven't gone live yet on anything um, because kind of for this reason, it's like. Uh, I'm I'm not yet at that, and even though you've you've told me like it's it's simple, and if I did spend the five hours, you know, kind of learning it, I probably could, and I might still in the next month or two. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, it certainly would make life easier if there was just a thing on Buzzsprout where I could go <laughs> click live, yep. unclick not live. <laughs> I know I that's I want to make all of my. Uh, like build my website to do all that stuff for me that like you know i'm i'm like haphazardly opening the feed up and like switching live depending to whatever and updating yeah, running people. With virtual yeah exactly <laughs> like eventually i just want a big like green button that i click on and all that stuff happens in the background for me you know like and that's the kind of thing with coding or technology or really even to take it more simply any time that we change a habit or a routine in our lives. There's a lot of inertia and we get into these kind of comfy ruts, not rut in a negative sense, but just a rut in the, uh, you know, you're in the groove, you're in this place that's like no resistance. It's the path forward, you know, and I've got kind of some bumpers on each side keeping me on my path. And then you want to alter that path. You're going to have to like, first of all, stop, which is never fun. It's always like comes with some anxiety and some irritation. You're gonna have to stop moving forward for a little bit. And then you're going to have to learn something new, something that's not obvious out of the box. 
at least not at first. And then you're going to have to make a few changes, but like 80% of those changes are just changes to the bumpers that you're making, which they're like one time changes. They're like, Oh, I got to set up this account or, Oh, I've got to write this, uh, config file out so that I'm, I'm configured. Right. And then after that, then you just start going again with the new bumpers and the new lane and the new groove. And you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is getting easier. This is getting easier. And after like three or four times, you really remember that you changed. Like you can look back and look at, oh, yeah, I remember how we used to do it this way. But in order to even be conscious of that, you have to like with effort remember, you know, it's kind of crazy how life works like that. So it's like you've got to bite it off and chew it. But after that initial setup and that initial learning, then it's all downhill after that, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, and and by the way, you know, if you ever want any uh, help or pointers or even, uh, I could probably figure out, you know, for, for years until very recently, we ran our live stream off of, uh, uh, off a of no debit server. He just gave us a spot on his IceCast server and he was just like, here's the login, here's the credentials, just plug them into this tool called Bot, broadcast using this tool, uh, stream from that, and you'll be good to go. And, you know, I didn't know anything about the server-side stuff of it at all. I just plugged in the username and password, and then I just hit play when I wanted to start, hit stop when I wanted to stop, and that was it. And um, since he's done that for us for so long, and now we have our own uh, stuff, I want to kind of learn how to be able to pay that forward to other people and maybe do what he did. Um, so if I figure that out, I'll let you know and... Nice, yeah, um, I, I much appreciated. I'm, I've sort of been thinking as, as well on, um, yeah, making some maybe more sort of just instructional videos as well. Like I've got the YouTube channel, so um, I can just add random stuff whenever I want. So I've, I've sort of been thinking about, yeah, paying forward, uh, you know, how to <laughs> cast a pod for dummies. You know, yeah, <laughs> how you can, how you can just uh, like literally just follow this video and you'll be able to get. You know, that's uh, another thing I gotta get running, rolling, which is the castapod stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm, look, I I need to uh probably redo the whole experience again because um, <laughs> updating it from like I don't know, I've I've got probably I think seven or seven or ten updates to do uh to it, and you have to sort of do them sequentially to, to make sure it's sure, like all, yep. all good. So I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm sort of tempted to just restart from scratch again. And then that way I can like make a video at the same time, perhaps. Um, sure. So I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've sort of been uh, on that as well, but yeah, it, it funnily enough, it's like when you, when you get on a roll with some things as well. So like if, you know, I think it's sort of like, let's not say if, when I start there you uh, go. coding, uh, that's probably when I'll be like, all right, I've been neglecting, you know, these three or four other things as well at the same time. Let's, let's just bang them all out. Let's, you know, set aside the time to do it and, you know, push aside some of the other things that I enjoy doing for a little bit. This comes back to, to where I always want that, um, that early coding education. I think that, um, a lot of this stuff would be far less intimidating if everybody had executed command lines growing up when they were seven, eight, nine, ten years old. You oh, know? yeah. And if everybody knew basic loop, looping and branching logic, you know? 
Because you, yeah, you, I think this I, is stuff I, I, that I you never can, did that. Yeah, it's stuff you can explain to a kid, and they'll get it, especially at the basic level. You know, if else, an if else branch. If this requirement is met, do this. Else, do this. You know, that's uh, everything is so disguised in an app with a UI or in this mysterious phrase we call algorithms. You know, and really, an algorithm is just that it's just a set of instructions it's just step one do this and then if this happens go here or if this happens go here it's like a choose your own adventure story you know that's all an algorithm is now they get more complicated over time the more branches you have or the more times you loop sure it can get more complicated but the the very fact that the word algorithm just is like synonymous with mystery in our modern culture i think is just like a if nothing else, it's an indictment of the poor ass education we get uh, from all of our institutions. Mm. Yeah, that's actually a good uh, the choose your own adventure. Do you, did you guys grow up with the uh, goosebumps at all? Hell oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those those uh, if it probably wouldn't have been that hard for a, a, a cell to be like, here, learn this thing. It's kind of like goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. Okay, yeah, okay. I well, can you get could, it. Yeah, uh, that'd be a perfect like. Uh, middle school coding project is that you write a choose your own adventure you know we yeah, do yeah. a or, uh, or there's like a set that and you need to a set of stories and you need to create it so that it kind of flows together in a way so like you know the the creative part's kind of already done in a way and, and then yeah. you need to construct it so that it kind of makes sense in the coding course that uh, I'm an instructor for one of the projects that we have students because it's all portfolio based so one of the portfolio projects you have that's purely logic based is a is a dungeon crawler. So it's like an old school command line game that you're playing where you're just a character and you're going through and you know attacking and defending and uh typing little commands into the command prompt. And that gives you uh the looping and branching logic. It gives you uh the need to build out classes to you know host all the information that you need about your player and about the enemies and all this kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, enums to generate a random room. And so like, you know, you get like a room description when you enter a room and all that stuff. Like, um, it's kind of like the, the building basic blocks of coding or the foundation of coding all coming together to do something that's like actually a little bit entertaining or fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just making the, what is it? It should be like another book, not not automate the boring stuff, but like make the boring stuff fun as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make the boring stuff fun. I like that. Hey, we should talk about buds. I was thinking. <laughs> I was just about to say, like speaking, <laughs> speaking of making it fun. <laughs> uh, I'm really curious as to like the weed climate, uh, both legally and culturally, because those are two different animals. Mm. Uh, in Australia, because I don't really know anything about the Australian laws or like culture. I mean, it seems like the the impression I get is like if I went over to Australia for a couple of weeks, I would be rolling bowls no problem and finding guys. But like, what's the uh, what's the scene over there? Yeah, yeah. I'm probably not the best person to talk about this because. Uh, weed, weed or marijuana, have you want to say, isn't isn't my drug of choice. Uh, um, funnily enough, I actually think it's related to uh, 
I really don't enjoy uh, just like ingesting hot liquids or hot gases. So uh, hmm. I actually, I really hate soup and, and like hot chocolate, even though I should love these things. Interesting. Um, so where are you at so, on coffee? Uh, yeah, no, no coffee. No I've, coffee. Uh, I've Interesting. Never had, never had a cup of coffee in my life. Um, and yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, just in general, that's, that's not my drug of choice, but, um, like I was mentioning just with, with the culture wise, uh, it's, it's sort of like growing in acceptance in, in terms of, um, like I'm, I'm pretty sure you can get medicinal marijuana here, um, for, you know, if you've got injuries of some sort, um, uh, or, or, you know, um, I think it's helpful. Is it helpful for schizophrenia as well? So, um, it depends who you ask, I suppose. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's a lot uh, of like, um, the qualifying conditions in a lot of states can just be longer than your arm. It just like goes on and on and on. Uh, muscle. Mm. There are also a lot of states that include like catch-alls where if you go to apply for a card um, and you're just in a room with one other person and they'll be like, okay, well, uh, do you ever experience muscle spasms maybe? Because uh, muscle spasms is like one of those catch-alls. Or... Uh, Depression in some states is listed, so there's like, there's a few that you can just say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've experienced that as well." You know? Yeah, yeah. You, you're correct in the sense that like it's it's relatively common enough, so if it, it it's not hard to find um, legally, yeah, it's I'm guessing still illegal in the sense that you know if if you're caught with. I don't know <laughs> bags. <laughs> you yeah, got, yeah. got it wrapped in cellophane. Sure. Um, that's you, you're probably going to get in some serious trouble. But you know, if you've just got a couple of plants or, or something like that, you'll you'll mostly be fine. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say yeah. Just imagine kind of where you're at. To be honest, it, it sounds like like it's it's not you know maybe a hundred percent legal, but yeah, it's it's kind of trending towards that way. Or, or there's and there's different there's differences between. Uh, like illegal and uh, what's the other word? Um, uh, like decriminalized. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just, um, yeah, it's 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 that sort of weird zone. But um, yeah, you you go around, you you hang around a union, you like just smell it in the air, or sure. hear people talking about it and stuff like that. So it's not. Um, yeah, in, in, in terms of which is <laughs> kind of as it should be, you know, just looking at alcohol and yeah. and how bad that is. <laughs> in my it's, it's ridiculous daydreams of Australia, I just imagine like, all right, I'm gonna mope on over to the beach, and then all right, maybe there's some bros there, some like some are surfing around, some are just kind of laying around, and then like, all right, that guy's kind of got some shaggy hair, and he's just staring at the like, uh, you know. Staring off into the horizon, and I'll be like, "Yeah, yep, you know, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty hey, much it." Yeah, you, you chief, <laughs> and then boom. <laughs> now there's yeah. uh we were talking about slang earlier, and there's a lot of uh, weird, funny slang um, when you get into the cannabis stuff too. And I think that a lot of that evolved over a mix of just being a subculture itself, but also for the need to be discreet or to like codify or like make up code words you know um and i don't know if there was anything unique like that uh that you're aware of i know again you said that's 
not maybe your forte, but mm. um, yeah, nothing, nothing jumps out, jumps out to mind. Um, to be honest, uh, just trying to, yeah, nothing, nothing in particular. Um, we had like, uh, little sort of ritualistic things too, like, uh, like puff, puff pass, like when you're sharing a joint or a blunt or anything that's like uh, a rolled smoke, let's say that's the custom is to hit it and then you hang on to it for a minute and you hit it again and then you can pass it to the next guy. And it's this middle ground of like, you know, we're here, we're relaxed, we're smoking some weed. So just hang out. Like you don't have to just like destroy it and pass it around and like make it some job or anything. But also you can't just sit there bogarting it, hitting it over and over again. So that's where puff, puff pass comes over. It's like, you take two, and then that's enough for you. He passes to the next guy. And then passing to the left is yeah, also yeah. kind of like the proper etiquette. Yeah. Um, I was actually just going here onto like a, a Reddit thing about Australian slang. Uh, ripping bills. I have heard that one before. Oh, ripping um, bills. Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. Uh, so, which is like for smoking a bong. Um, that's, oh, nice. Yeah. That's, that's probably one that I, I recognize, but... <laughs> Ripping massive bills. I think chuf as chuf as well. C H O O F. Chuf. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I've heard that one before. But just like yeah, no, I, I, I hung out. Um, uh, I was I was more surrounded by it whilst um, traveling actually. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, basically like every hostel. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, that that just be, uh, someone some somewhere would um be able to to get some. It was actually um I. So my um, my upbringing was um, my dad was and was and kind of still is very uh, like anti anti drug in general. But um, I think one of his friends uh, in in high school or university uh, was one of the those rare people who who developed schizophrenia from like it was a reaction to um, like it it triggered it. Mm. Is that? that sound yeah sound right now a lot of the a lot of the science that i've read has uh in the more conclusive studies have have discovered that there may be a link between cannabis use and schizophrenia but that the link itself is that people who are predisposed to uh developing schizophrenia will find an earlier onset or it will just happen yeah. sooner if they yeah. smoke weed that's kind of like what i've read or uh, you know seen yeah, so you know, in in like plain English, I guess that'd be it. It's just yeah, it occurred maybe earlier, and you're probably already going to get schizophrenia no matter what sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I believe that happened to one of his friends, and so from then on, he was you know even more um, biased against it. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's that sort of rubbed off on me for for a long time as well. Uh, and it was actually. Uh, an Aussie girl I met in Mexico who um, had insomnia and sh- she was just saying, you know, she tried everything to to try and fix this insomnia. She would have, you know, changing up her lifestyle, what she was eating, going to bed at different times, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the only thing that really worked was was just, you know, a, a tiny hit just before bed and, and that would essentially solve it for her. Um, and... So then basically 
for her, you know, thankfully whilst traveling, you know, in Mexico and in all these other places, you could find it relatively easy. Um, and so that's, it's, it's kind of like, it's nice that the, um, meeting her kind of changed my mind and was like, Oh, okay. You know, it's not, uh, it's, it's not for, uh, I, I guess the stigma against it just, just kind of lessened for me when I, I found like a real life example of yeah. someone who was in, in, you know, I had a real need for it. Insomnia is no joke. No um, doubt. Yeah. And, and that just went like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Even though I had tried it, but before that it was, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was still, I think I had like a little bit of that, that danger vibe to it. It's like, Oh, this is a bad thing. Sure. Now when you tried it and it had the danger vibe, um, did it work? What was your first experience like? Yeah. So I, I was out at the, um, this was on my first vacation work in, uh, Claremont, which is a town of 2000 people, sort of like central Queensland. So imagine hot, dusty, not a whole lot of stuff going on there, but a shit ton of coal. <laughs> and so, uh, this was like a, a mining town just um, just outside of that, and there was me and I think fifteen other vacation students. Um, so this was when it was a, like a bit of a boom period as well. So there was just money money flying around, hmm. um, and uh, in in the mines in the mining industry uh, that they, they have DNA tests all the time. So uh, you'll regularly get. Uh, no, I would say so for the three years that I worked at um, Hale Creek, which was another a coal mining, um, another coal mine, uh, I think I got DNA tested probably about five or six times. So it's like roughly roughly every six months, I'd, I'd say. Hmm. And uh, that that's sort of just the the standard there because, you know, when you're driving a machine which has wheels twice the height of a person, uh, the the legal implications of of any accidents are, sure. are just huge. No doubt. So yeah, very very strict there. Um, in terms of of uh, uh, not not having any undue influence whatsoever. Even though you could probably make arguments why having some sort of you know stimulant at the end of a you know twelve and a half hour shift is actually more safe. But yeah, well, <laughs> right. Well, let's not get into that. Sure. Uh, so yeah, on the very last day, uh, finished off, off work and we were flying out, um, back to our homes the next, the next night. Um, yeah, uh, uh, one of my friends there, uh, what was his name? I think it was Nick. Um, he just procured some from somewhere, offered it to me and I was like, yeah, yeah. He, he was, uh, it was fun having like a cool friend who was a huge part of that culture. He really like, um, there's some artists here, uh, musicians called Bliss and Esso, uh, and they like that's it's a heavy influence in in their songs, mm. um, and yeah, just just meeting him and actually having like a real life person in front of me, uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. We, we just went into like his little uh, cabin that were, they're called Dongers here, um, okay, like a, a demountable. A tiny demountable room that can sort of just be, you know put it on the back of a truck sort of thing and and put it wherever. Gotcha. And dongers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we close close the windows. Uh, you know what, what was it? Ripping bills. Yeah, ripping bills in the donger. <laughs> ripping bills in the donger, and yeah, it was it was really fun. It was just uh, I'd say like just made me giggly. Like sure. It was a, um, yep. It, 
and I, I didn't go too crazy. I was, I was sort of, uh, whenever I've tried new stuff like mushrooms or, or um, LSD or things like that, I've, I'm, I'm always really kind of careful and cautious the first time. Definitely, um, yeah. So it was, yeah, just a really pleasant, fun experience. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't particularly seek this out. And this sure. is just my general uh general um i don't know attitude towards these things is like i'm not going to seek them out i don't particularly need them but it, you know if the opportunity presents itself i'll 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 partake and and usually it's it's pretty fun so i'm interested you mentioned a dna test is this like do they draw blood or is oh, it a sorry, spit sorry. swab uh, or so d d and a so like drug and alcohol oh, and you just say d yeah okay. sorry i should have um, dna should have yeah should have like, uh, clarified that no, that's all good. That <laughs> yeah, makes it all more. That'd be pretty extreme, hey. <laughs> like, I was like, how does it even get in your molecular? Yeah, we, we see the drugs in your DNA. Listen, <laughs> you're going down. You were 17. We know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Not um. No, not not that extreme. So yeah, usually it's okay. just you, you um. Uh, that, that makes piss, more sense. piss into a cup and gotcha. and they they swish it around and sure. then if something shows up, then they take a a um saliva swab. Gotcha. They go deeper. The most uh, <laughs> yeah. most extreme uh, weird drug test that I've ever heard of is my a buddy of mine got uh, in a series of different uh, legal troubles, and um, when he was on probation, um, I don't know a number, you know, a few times. I don't remember exactly how many times, but he, you know, he had he had a few arrests, and then. He was on probation, and he had to keep a cotton ball uh, taped to his shoulder at all times. And this cotton ball would just, like, absorb the sweat. And then, like, every two weeks, they would test this cotton ball. Wow. It's <laughs> like, dirty cotton ball. <laughs> These guys just taped to his shoulder. Uh, and that went on for a few months of his, like, probably, like a half a year or something. <laughs> that is super strange. It's one of the weirdest things. I'm like, what the hell? They can't just, like... You feel like that could just get contaminated by everything. And I know, right? You know. You've, and it's going to be just dirty hanging out on your arm for two weeks at a time, you know? Like, you can't... <laughs> you got to keep it dry in the shower and... How do they know it's the same cotton ball? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, so many, like... It was so odd to me. Yeah, that's strange. The One of the, the things I'd heard about getting around... Um, I can't remember if it was drinking or if it was... Um, meth or speed uh so for for truck truck drivers who are doing like long hauls um because you know getting out to claremont is a how much how long a drive is it from from like the the nearest coastal town it's it's i think it's probably close to six hours something like that oh man uh and uh, a lot of the truck drivers and even a lot of people out at the mines actually even though there are all those drug and alcohol tests they um they they still like it it falls into them and you know for some people it's more maybe a relaxing thing and then um I, there's a real kind of problem with uh, ice so crystal crystal sure, meth yeah out at out at a particularly out at the mine sites and um, any case uh, one of the ways they got around this for truck drivers was um, apparently they would keep a small uh, like a you know those kind of cups that you you'll spit into at the dentist those little plastic ones yeah he'd he'd keep like a small thing of that filled with diesel and if he got pulled over 
He'd, he'd put the diesel in his mouth, swish it around, spit back into the cup, and then when he did the test, it would it would come up negative for um, uh, whatever it was that he was taking. I think I think it was meth to sort of like keep himself amped up for the drive. Wowie zowie! Like, Damn, <laughs> that's extreme. That's commitment. <laughs> yeah, just switch the diesel. And then he can like uh, yeah, uh, uh, switch the diesel for kerosene, and then he could like. Do a fire trick afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, no doubt about that. That's craziness. Um, I was I was interested too in how the uh, speaking of the differing landscapes between here and Australia, how like the COVID things have rolled out because we over here have like seen a lot of reporting of like some very totalitarian measures over there. And I always wonder, like, on the ground how that differs and even maybe state by state over there, too, versus, like, state by state here. I know there's a lot of differences regionally here in the United States on how that was enforced or, you know, what's still in place over there. But, like... Yeah, it's 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 funny because when I think of Australia, it it doesn't seem to differ that much. You know, it, I, I really struggle to hear... Um, difference in accents between someone from Sydney, someone from uh, Victoria, Melbourne, uh, mm-hmm. someone from Perth, and then someone from Brisbane. I can't, me personally, I can't pick it out. Apparently, other people can, but I, I don't think it's super strong. Um, but you can you can hear the difference between maybe someone from the the country who has like more of an Aussie drawl, mate. That that sort of um, drawl behind it and. Sure. Uh, but but that that for me sort of goes to the point where it's kind of the same everywhere. Like our, our differences, I I don't feel there's that much of a difference between uh, someone from Sydney and someone from Melbourne. Um, whereas I think you can get quite large ones between I don't know someone from Texas and someone from Missouri or definitely or things like that. Yeah. So or like um, there's like this East Coast pocket where. There's this general northeast accent where the R's, where the R's are dropped and all of that, you know. But there's yeah, yeah. specific like Brooklyn versus uh, you know Boston versus like uh, you know Mainers. Like there's like subdivisions of that thing going on, which is kind of interesting and wild. And if you spend time up there, like it becomes way more apparent. Like. If you just grow up, like as a kid, I didn't really know much of the difference. I had family out in Massachusetts, so I like knew what an East Coast accent was. But then going back and spending more time up there and all the states up there are like really tiny, you know? So like you can drive through three or four of them easily in a day, like, in, you know, in a few hours. And everyone, every time you cross a line, it's like there's these like differences in, in the way people talk and the slang that's used and accents it's it's really wild the more time you spend up there like how that separates out and you're like oh this is weird yeah yeah i i don't, I don't think we have that much um it, it could be my, my aussie history is not actually that strong but you know it's probably because we don't have much of one to be honest like it's not we're not a super old country and um yeah this sort of so getting getting to your original question it was i, I don't feel there's that much differences between the actual people in them and, and kind of even the culture kind of feels most, most of it feels like Aussie culture yet there are huge differences between how the, the States were handling um, 
the the virus. So, if funnily enough, here in Brisbane, mm, I think there was maybe one week where we were, you know, not supposed to drive more than kind of ten kilometers from your home. I think mm-hmm. your principal residence, uh, and I don't know, but I I at least <laughs> flaunted that rule and, and was sort of going between. My, my place and my parents' place regularly, which is kind of like 30, 30 Ks apart. Uh, but in, as far as lockdowns go, it was it was relatively short and sharp. And just the annoying thing was that they'd keep coming back every once in a while. Um, but 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 here in, in Brisbane and, and, you know, you go further up north in the, the smaller towns, it, the, the rules would get even looser and... There's people up in in Cairns, so this is like, think real real north northeast of of um, of Australia, and they they didn't have really anything at all going on there, uh, and yet then the the sort of totalitarian stuff in in Melbourne, uh, it, it was weird because I was disconnected from it. I didn't actually even realize they had the longest <laughs> lockdown ever, uh, of or the longest lockdown of of um, all all countries or things like that until it kind of made the news that it was the longest and I went, oh shit. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, that that's probably more indicative of my um, watching of the news and stuff, which is non-existent. So, the yeah, I think, look, at least just from my personal point of view, it, it didn't seem excessive from yeah. here. I think it, you know, especially when it first happened, rightfully so, you, you, you want to have some caution and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but... Brisbane's been pretty pretty tolerable, to be honest. Like, it's, yeah, there's still some minor rules with regards to masks on on public transport. I think, but okay. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm trying to think of what where they still tell you to put a mask on here. But I think it's like when you ride the bus, literally, like that's it. Yeah, and it yeah, that's that's the same. Yeah. Now it says like recommended instead of required. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Juan says he rides the bus and doesn't do it, and it's kind of 50 50 half half of the people do half don't so it's not even enforced either yeah Um, that's wild like the more you tell me about brisbane the more i feel like it's like australia's midwest or australia's like right where we are at because that's how it was here too like there was there was like a couple of weeks where everybody was like oh shit oh shit and like even like the rebels among us were like it, it was like right at the beginning where it was like two weeks to strip to spread and like everybody's work closed down, you know? And we were kind of like, all right, well, you know, like, like I guess we can do what we can for everyone with, you know, in two weeks, you know, kind of like shrugging, like, uh, what do we do here? But nobody went along with the, the programming for like very long at all, you know? And, uh, they said like you can only drive to or from work or school or place of worship for a while or the dry like at the very end of the list like a dry cleaners was mentioned right <laughs> and so i was like all right i'll just keep a white shirt in the back uh, window the whole time you know i'm driving around because i'm not gonna do that shit you know <laughs> like uh i don't know um hospitals yeah cotton gin in the chat says hospitals are still requiring them I have not, thankfully, been to the hospital in a minute. Uh, well, wait a minute. There was the incident a few months ago where you had a kidney stone. Well, there was the whole <laughs> kidney stone thing. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I went to a hospital kind of in a 
a rural community and then another one here in the city. And they both like gave me a mask and I, in both places, I just kind of like held it up to my face. Like I didn't put it on my ears and I was kind of like breathing down below it because I was in a lot of pain and sucking wind, you know, like I fucking needed my airflow. Mm. Uh, and you know, they just kept telling me to put it on. I was just like, like, you know, yeah, for sure. I just kind of pretty much fucking held it up and ignored them. And, uh, yeah, it's not like, uh, there's only one place during this whole thing that, um, wouldn't serve us, which was just like this particular Chipotle. And it just comes down to like who's the who's there behind the counter wanting to go on some kind of power trip, you know? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd I'd say the same here. You could pretty much. Uh, I I remember when we were getting on a flight um, to go somewhere, and this was where it was you know super strict. You have to wear your mask, um, sort of thing. And there was there was one guy on the on the plane who just didn't want to, and yeah, you know, anyone could have caused a fuss and probably got have kicked got him kicked off but but no one did so yeah. kind of like uh all right we'll um we'll, we'll we'll let it slide it's kind of that yeah sort of the the fun part um i was looking up just before you were right Laura, um Lauren, it was uh in act it's decriminalized um uh so that's the australian capital territory so canberra the um uh where the, all the politicians and stuff live so yeah it's sort of like the the difference between there being rules and there being rules that are being enforced. Right. And so, yeah, for at least for here in, in Brisbane, it was pretty good. But, um, yeah, it sounded like it was pretty shit in Melbourne and, um, uh, you know, the heart the heart of Melbourne sort of in the city sort of thing that, that uh, probably would have, if I'd lived there, I, I probably would have had um, some problems sure. and even like I'm, I'm pretty antisocial in many ways. Like I'm really comfortable just being on my own for large yeah. periods of time. But even then, uh, yeah, I think I'd, uh, not being able to go outside and, you know, get sunlight and stuff. That's, uh, yeah, it's getting a bit extreme. No doubt. No doubt. Well, that's interesting. I definitely wanted to ask just because we get this limited view of like, uh, just what's reported, you know, and that's all that we know. For we sure. Really... And, and yeah, the, the reported stuff is going to be from the cities. Like it's not going to be exactly. From, yeah. The, you know, the kind of like suburbia, 20 minutes outside of the city. You know, right. what's that like? Uh, well, there's there's not many <laughs> cameramen and people going out there because it's not as exciting and not as, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, it's wild because um, like here we live in the city of Kansas City, like definitely in the city part. And even here it was like lax pretty much the whole time. Uh, but if you're in any part of rural America, there's pretty much probably no pandemic the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's yep, so yeah. crazy. It's like crazy how much that, uh, this kind of, uh, I don't know, mind control relies upon nightly news stories, just like saying and showing images of all this stuff. And then like, they just do it in a few concentrated areas where the most people are, you know, like here, New York city was like the biggest baddest lockdowns the whole time and you know they're still doing stuff at events if you do events in new york city like and it's all uh this wishy-washy stuff too you know where it's like uh oh the masks are gonna be required for you because you're an attendee you're just like a slave that bought a ticket but uh 
you know, the janitorial staff and like the, the, you know, security guys and all these other workers around, they're just like, they're not required to wear anything. And it's just so, so transparently silly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tapped out of watching news and, uh, you know, the the better my mind stated is it's usually the less <laughs> I'm consuming anything that has been made in the last I don't know year <laughs> totally and so this is this is where funnily enough this is actually why I'm not really a, a dedicated no agenda listener because it's uh, sure I'm, you get it, uh, it, it's kind of like I, I don't need to know this I already know it's bullshit and I'm not consuming it anyway so yeah. no <laughs> I'll tune I, in once in a while <laughs> I get that there's that element of like still hearing the news when you do listen. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, they have, they have um, good, good takes and there's good, um, um, almost like predictions in some way that they're making. Um, sure. Which is, you know, very useful to predict the future and, and know what's going on. But when it's like global events as well, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I feel for the people in Russia and Ukraine, but is that going to affect me? Right. Uh, most likely not, you know, right. as much yeah. as, all the uh, missile, you know, the missile tests in North Korea two years ago, which was, you know, ah, uh, you know, World War Three is about to start. Um, sure, affected me. So, <laughs> and that's so like kind of close, at least on your parallel, right? But it's still not. It's still like oceans away. Well, that's the thing with Australia. Everything feels so far away. You know, to to just get out of the country. You know, New Zealand is super close, and it's still a four hour plane flight. Uh, wow. To to fly to the other side of Australia to Perth is also a four hour plane plane flight. <laughs> so just getting anywhere in here is it just takes ages. So it kind of it kind of does feel like uh, everything does it. It does kind of feel like we're not connected as much to the rest of the world. So certain other events, you know, if if uh, things are happening in Mexico, it can kind of feel very real for you because, you know, there's that connection and in, you'll know, I'm, I'm sure you know plenty of Latinos um, from from Central America and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, maybe not. I'm not, I, my geography is actually really bad of, of the US and, and where in particular you are. Right, but, right smack in the middle of the state. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, there's a, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's we're roughly the size of the US, but one tenth of the people, right. less than one tenth. I think it's twenty five million, twenty six million. So it's uh, it definitely does have the feel of um, we're we're kind of on the sidelines of a lot of stuff, and it's sort of just like you know, chilling on the beach, sure, looking at the ocean, and <laughs> all this crazy stuff that's going on elsewhere in the world. Well, that's nice. What what was it? No worries. I can't remember the no walkers. No walkers. <laughs> no walkers. <laughs> no walkers. Uh, I have one uh, voicemail for you. I neglected to mention at the beginning of the show about the voicemail oh, cool. line, nice. but uh, one snuck in anyway. Uh, so we'll cue that up here. What a first time I ever had a ear bombs. It was in Brisbane, Australia, and it was not. Um, hmm. Not my finest evening. It was still a good time, from what I remember. Uh, I was curious if Kyron ever gotten into this is serious, mom, and uh, in the bowl. Okay, so his first beer bong was in Brisbane. Nice, nice. Have you ever? And what was into, that? I, I didn't catch what he was saying. Oh, yeah, neither. Ever gotten I, I, into this is serious, mom, 
And uh, this, in the bowl. The serious Mung? Let me hear it one more time. Uh, what Google's best guess is for the transcript was, it's Karen ever gotten into this is serious mom? This is Which serious I, mom. This is serious mom is a band. Oh, this is serious uh, mom. I've never heard of them before, so um, says they're from Melbourne, Australia. No... What what um when were they producing stuff? Uh, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, it's a little bit before my time. Um, because they look like yeah, some so weirdos, think, bro. <laughs> it's sort of like the Australian version of Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> is, the, oh, is the photo? <laughs> I know their I know their main song. Everyone else has had more sex than me. Ooh. You know that? <laughs> nah, it's not ringing oh, a bell. Man, this video. When I looked at their Wikipedia page and the little bunny rabbit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. I'll, I'll have to check that one out. That's um, a great one. No, sorry, I, I don't know that one. <clears throat> I'm more aware of some other uh, classic Aussie bands, like uh, well, like Regurgitator is a is a pretty good one. Um, they're kind of like electronic band from the yeah like yeah like they were, they were they were peaking in kind of like the 90s early 2000s um uh who else there's there's a, a band i really like called the cat empire so the cat empire is kind of like a, a scar slash world music type of band so they've got a lot of horns um so like trumpets and um trombones and uh you know key- keyboard stuff like that uh they're they're, they're pretty um prolific as well um i've been to a couple of their live stuff and they're, they're really fun awesome sick australian uh some australian bands to check out i i'm not familiar with any of those so uh i'll have to spend a bunch killing heidi was pretty pretty popular for uh, i'm trying i'm trying to think of like um stuff from the like 90s um yeah killing killing so heidi I'm- was a uh, Australian rock band. Yeah. I'm such a dweeb with a blind spot over there that, like, when I think Australian rock, I'm like, oh yeah, ACDC. <laughs> yeah, Akadaka. Yeah, Akadaka. Sure. <laughs> um, oh, geez, who else would there be? That was, um, do you, are uh, you musical yourself? Do you do a lot of, uh, do you um, do, play any no, instruments? Unfortunately, my, um, so my mom was a, a music teacher and she, like loves music. She's been part of a, uh, like a barbershop choir for, I think she was the director for, geez, it was like two decades at least. It was a long time. Um, uh, so it, it definitely runs in the blood, but it's like, it didn't get into my DNA. <laughs> if mm. I did those DNA tests uh, <laughs> out of the minds, I wouldn't have, they would have found a lacking of musical talent. So music uh, test did, comes back negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I did, uh, learn. <clears throat> what did we do? Both me and my brother, we we did either violin and piano. So there's a piano in our house as well, in in mum and dad's house. Uh, and uh, I had a I played drums for quite a while as well. I had probably for uh, I'll say like four-ish years, five, uh, maybe even more than that. Um, and. I don't know. I just never loved it. It, it never, it never really clicked with me. Uh, so even though I enjoy listening, it's not, uh, yeah, it's it's not a huge part of my life neither. Interesting. Yeah, it's, but it's uh, been it's it's been fun uh, listening to to your stuff as well. Um, and I have been getting much more into like the non pop stuff. 
finding finding more niche bands and yeah uh, smaller things Getting like off a, the a beaten th- path yeah so, like signs of new growth put out a, a new song last night yeah, or i saw the that. day before and ch- check that out it was yeah just just cruising along it was like yeah you know what like i'm i'm i'm, I'm when I first was listening to them, it was like, ah, oh, I don't know if I like this. And then, kind of after a while, you listen to it enough, and you're like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into this. <laughs> yeah, the stuff that grows on you, I love that kind of stuff, man. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think that a lot of music is uh, we've been kind of like pre-programmed by all of these tunes that have just been like pumped into everywhere we go, like the grocery store and the TV channels and the, you know, like this kind of preset. Um, exposure to music and so you it's wild how much your tastes can be shaped just by exposure alone and yeah for uh, sure um i don't know if the you guys had a similar experience but when i was growing up um we had this thing called rage which was on our um the abc i think it's like the australian broadcasting company mm. i'm guessing maybe that's this similar to nbc or something like that we have like uh, Four uh, main networks, kind of, but they're not. Uh, the government one is PBS, which is like way in the background. It's not like the BBC or the ABC for you guys are like in England, where the, like the main one is the government one. Mm, yeah, although yeah. they're also all government ones. You know, when you <laughs> <laughs> you get down to it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it, it used to be um, me and my my friends on you know like a Saturday morning or something. We'd have a sleepover, and then we would just listen to Rage for five hours or something in the morning on a on a Saturday. Uh, and the good thing about that was, uh, you know, I think there's only so much pop music they could play in that, so you would get kind of the more out of the way you know rock bands or or less less popular things so you get exposed to a bit more i don't i don't know if um you know i'm i'm not sure how a 12 year old consumes music nowadays do they do they get uh, you're asking a, the boomer man i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea yeah can't as far as i know they just watched fucking PewDiePie on tiktok or something i don't I have no idea yeah so I, I imagine they don't have those extended periods of you know, just listening to a huge playlist of 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 songs, so it might be hard to to get that variety. I guess when you're when you're younger now, just just um, yeah, I, I, their their ways of finding music is definitely not not the way that I have my my favorite my favorite bands and stuff, which was was pretty much from Rage, and it's sort of continued through to. To even nowadays, that's that's you know I still listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers and there you um, go, like I was mentioning, like Cat Empire and, and things like that. That's sort of like the core of what I listen to nowadays. And so when I get new stuff, it's it's usually a single. Like I'm not, uh, I don't hear something and then immediately go to the whole album or or, or whatnot. It's kind of like a one off song. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not really sure why I mean, music discovery is this I'm just too I'm running around in too many tight little circles yeah, to, yeah, for sure. to find new stuff or to I don't know. What's some recommendations you have of uh I don't know, like Kansas City artists or or even just like unknown American talent? Hmm. I've I always point people to the faint first yeah. when they ask me this question. And I was gonna say closeness, which is the pet project of the faint's lead singer with his wife. The, okay, cool. the, the faints out of Omaha, which is just up the up uh, 
I-29 from us in Nebraska. It's like uh, two hours, two and a half, something like that. Hooten Hollers. Two, two to three hours. Hooten Hollers uh, were some guys I, I knew. They're still touring um, out of Columbia when I lived there in that college town. Um, that's like some real Missouri stuff there. It's like Missouri, like uh, hillbilly rock kind of stuff. And we make noise. Nice. We make noise. They're is still a good rocking. One. Um, yeah, those are good suggestions, honestly. Nice. All right. I've got like, I don't know, 20 different tabs of things I need to check out after the sense. Yeah, that's yeah. what I, we've got. We got the show notes packed for people looking for new stuff. That's too. right. So that'll what, be what good. was the last one? We make music. We, we make, make noise. We, we make, make noise. noise. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Tight. Well, I guess that's like the uh, homework assignment there. Man, it's been well, well past the two hour mark. Uh, time has just flown by. Nice. I didn't even realize. Uh, anywhere you want the bowlers uh, to be sent, you can go to meremortalspodcast.com and you can find uh, the Value for Value show there too, right? Yep, yep. That's the best place to just go and check out if you're interested at all in hearing me ramble about stuff. Yeah, check out Kyron's shows and uh, oh, I should uh, I should round out our boostograms that came in since we oh, were last yes. talking too. But uh, keep the track rolling. I like this track underneath of it. Eleven uh, Eleven out of Curio Caster came in from Cotton Gin, who just says V for V plus plus. Seventy seven seventy seven from Booberry. Curio Caster says bunch of clever girls in here. Eighty eight eighty eight. It's Abel Kirby's calling card out of Curio Caster. He says, trying to blow up on YouTube by chasing trends feels like trying to win the lottery by being a good lotto customer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good observation. Uh, Buenas tardes, Bolarito. Bolaritos, says Fletcher, uh, with 4,200 sats out of fountain. And he also sends They this. want the weed. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> sends this link with. Uh, and finally, from Pfeiffer. Reverend Dr. Pfeiffer, a 7777 sats out of fountain, who says, telling other people their code is shit head is better than head down coding. <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, check out uh, if there was one sent almost exactly two hours ago, if you can. Let me see. I, um, I, I sent one in, and I'm not sure if it... Uh, I think it, it came through. About two hours ago from... Yeah. Uh, let's see should, should have been five oh, five self five, yeah fifty five fifty five. i don't know how i missed this one uh still self-boosting while live if is this even allowed i feel so dirty <laughs> so dirty oh. uh with a little uh colon o naughty naughty shocked face anything yeah, I, goes in the bowl that got to, this is true there are no rules here man merely suggestions Daily suggestions. You could technically puff three times and no one would get arrested before passing. Well, awesome, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. And uh, bowlers can go to meremortalspodcast.com again to check out Kyron's stuff and uh, boost the show. And a third goes over to his node, uh, his fountain wallet over there. So forever. Yeah, thanks for getting that um, uh, set up, man. That's a uh, really appreciate that you went to that extra effort. So uh, oh, super, totally, super cool. Yeah, I love doing that. So um, thanks again for hanging out and, uh, you know, waking up early to be in the bowl. Yeah, uh, well, no, it, it's a it's a fist pumping day here now. So um, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll fist pump my way out to the music and then uh, really, really get the day started. So oh. thanks so much for uh, having me on. 
And there's a big 420 for a harp hat for a fade out. Yep. We will uh, see you around next time. Bowlers, we'll see you next Tuesday night. 9 p.m. Central U.S. time. As always, right after DH Unplug wraps up. Till then, I will remain Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'll be Dame DeLorean. Kyra and fist pumping down out. Woo! Oh, yeah. Till next time, may your bowls burn ever brighter. That guy's probably a dancer. What? What?